Hi everyone, Shane here. Just getting in at the top of the podcast to let you know that there are some minor audio issues, unfortunately, with this recording. Um, it will begin around 40 to 45 minutes in and end about 1 hour 45 in of the cast. It's just a case of certain bits of Doc's audio dropping out. It doesn't seem too bad from what I've noticed while I've been editing, but it is noticeable nonetheless, so I thought I'd let you know about that in advance. It should hopefully be fixed for next time. Apologies that this has come about. But anyway, uh, without further ado... Flag. We are going to have to act if we want to live in a different world. Hello friends, welcome ladies, gentlemen, and envies to the first episode of What Are We Desho's Request Line. I am mm. the Subtle Doctor as per usual and along for the ride with me. As per usual is uh, the hardest working man in pod business and the most patient friend that <laughs> to deal with uh, technical issues uh, that I've had. It's Shadon. It's, you know, I'm more patient here than I ever am in work about actual work-related technical issues. Like, you're, you're all seeing the sunnier side of me here, uh, everyone, honestly. Um, I would also like to mention, by the way, you were mentioning, you said about the hardest working man in pod business. Like, uh, <laughs> this, like, we, we call this now the request line, but what this really should be called is the, uh, the, the, the tardy catch-up uh, podcast list. Mm. Because um, I apologize profusely for not doing this much sooner. I, I offer no excuses for other than that I've just been very, very bad at it. Uh, because what we're going to be covering today is something that I should have done months ago. And yeah, uh, my bad on that. I, I do apologize for it. But nonetheless, hopefully we can bring some uh, interesting insights to what we're going to be covering today and just have a good joke about it as well. I'm still going to be cracking a few uh, things here and there. Well, um, first of all, before I address your comments, uh, your need needless self-flagellation... Uh, eh, I want to. I want to say thank you to Navy Cherub for calling in the request line, and indeed requesting that we cover this particular anime because he's a patron. He knew the secret phone number to call, and so he went into the secret phone booth that we directed him to, and he called in uh, and clandestinely delivered his request onto the voice machine the the answer phone that we keep here at the Waterway Desho offices for the request line and because he followed proper procedure we're now going to um cover uh the anime that he requested which is what? flag but when you were describing him then like going into the phone booth all i could think was that you were about to reveal he was a member of the wild stallions well, I mean, I didn't want to say that, but now that you've done it, it's out in the open, so... That's not uh, so excellent, is it? <laughs> uh, direct all your complaints to Shadon, David. I was going to... Your secret was safe with me, but somebody blabbed it, so... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, look. Uh, yeah, we... we Listen. <laughs> we learned lessons in our first year of, of Patreon, uh, and that is that... Uh, us doing solo audio essays is a thing that, while possible, is extremely difficult for us for various different reasons. Um, 
some of which involve schedule, some of which involve emotional energy. And, you know, we just, we're not great at it. And this this doesn't just go for you, it goes for me. I mean, I didn't do nearly as many as you did. Um, and we're going to be playing catch up with, with the backlog that's been requested of me as well. Um, and, you know, I guess people like when we, when we discuss things also, you know, the, mm-hmm. our discussion format is loved by some people. Uh, so we figured we go with that. We're slightly better at that than we are at making audio essays by ourselves. So that's what we're going to do. And I think it's a good change. I think that we're going to deliver uh, a banger here today and going forward <laughs> with these. Because there's a lot to talk about with this particular anime, Shadon. Um, I know you have a lot to say. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, do I. Uh, all, all I can keep thinking back to is... Um, when I was doing preparation for this, because I didn't, I didn't just completely leave this uh, covering flag, you know, in the dust. I did do some prep and some writing for it, and as part of that, I remember reading um, Ferran Martin's A and N review of the show from shortly after it actually came out on Blu-ray, if I recall correctly, or even DVD at the time of its release. It's like back in twenty uh, two thousand seven, I think. Uh, it was around that time, and this was after I'd watched the show, and I remember reading Ferran's review, and I was just like. This is a good review, but I don't agree with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah. and and it's not even that I don't agree with the points that uh, they made. Uh, I'm saying they because I don't know what gender or pronouns, but Theron, you get the Theron, Theron is he, him. Okay, there we go. So I don't know, I don't know like what, like, you know, sorry, Antonio, like, I, I like when I read Theron's review, I was like, okay, look, um, I'm not even like disagreeing with the points right now. I just think that there's an element that was missing it that I feel kind of made it difficult for me to like this show and it's not even like anything that's actually in it that's like a problem it's not like i can point to this moment and say well this character did something that was completely stupid and out of place and it just kind of ruined the thing or you know they started using racial slurs no that happened Uh, i will (laughs) get to i will get to that later um but yeah it's been an interesting one uh, uh watching this show and then also like reading up about after the facts, um, particularly from that review. Worth checking out, by the way. It's still on ANN's website, even though it's from like, you know, what might as well have been 200 years ago at this point, because time doesn't mean anything anymore. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so flag, like I this this came from David and I watched it and I I'll get to it later, but like this this show is very unique. Oh, uh, entirely unique in anime. It's it's very unique, uh, and for the reasons that it is unique alone, it is worthwhile existing and possibly even watching. I say possibly for again, I'm being like cryptic and coy. Good as, God, as is my one. As is <laughs> I my guess one. it's possibly worth watching. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But that's interesting like, though, because like this is yeah, I I think that like you ask you know you asked me off mic if I enjoyed it and like that. That, I think, requires unpacking because of what you're talking about. Um, because it is um, uh, it is a show that uh, I think some people could m- maybe view it as a little bit of a, a distant or a cold show, but like I, which I would totally disagree with based on the second half of the thing. It's The storytelling is such a, a unique thing about it that I feel like that's going to be a lot of what we talk about is the storytelling mechanism 
and its efficacy or lack thereof, depending on your your point of view, because that is the thing that sets this show apart from so from all other anime. Really, it's the only uh, show show of its kind to use this sort of um, storytelling technique, and I, I believe it's all all the better for it. Uh, but I will save that for when we get into our our thing. We got to set up. We got to set it up first. So, um, mm-hmm. so I will do that here. Um, flag. What is flag? Um, so, oh, I should say by the way at the top of this that um, we're going to be as spoiler free as possible for as long as we can. Like, mm-hmm. uh, up until maybe the midway ish point of the cast, and then we'll. Then the gloves will be off and we'll be talking about everything, but we'll let you know. We'll give you fair warning. So, uh, Shadon, let's talk about what this thing is, Flag, here. So this is a 2006-2007 original net animation. This was not a TV show or straight-to-video. It was straight to the internet. (laughs) Um, TV show... Which in 2006, I have to say, is like crazy when you think about it. Mm. I mean, we we currently like in you know the year of our Lord or you know the, of Satan really twenty twenty. <laughs> let's be honest, that's what this year is. It is the year of hell. Yes. Um, you know, we take streaming services for granted. If I want to watch anything really, um, I can nine out of ten times just literally go to one of various services I'm subscribed to and get a hold of it. If I considered doing that back in two thousand and six, I probably wouldn't have bothered, or it certainly wouldn't have been as anywhere near as convenient as it is now. So, yeah, the fact that that was even a thing, like, back in 2006 is kind of crazy to me. But, hey, why not? Yeah, I would assume that it was not streamable. Uh, I would assume it was, like, a direct download sort of thing. But I haven't done the research on um, um, the availability. According to my my notes, it actually was streamable. Uh, It was pay-per-view. Oh, yes. Right, right. So, like, I remember there's been other, uh, like shows that were released this way too like i think there was a saint Seiya arc that was released on pay-per-view what a weird what a weird thing anime pay-per-view um it's i mean it's like they wrestling about. in it come on <laughs> no that's that is definitely a wrestling term for me the pay the pay-per-view um i knew you'd appreciate definitely that. so okay so what this show is like hmm i think First and foremost, it is a war drama. Uh, it's a... Like, I think, though, as anime fans, we might tend to think of it as a mecha series. Um, and it certainly does feature giant robots, um, a handful of them. But, I don't know, it's... The mecha, unlike... I have an idea. Unlike stuff like uh, Gundam or even Macross, like, hmm. the mecha don't feel like uh, characters at all. This is a very, on very like, on the real robot side of things. Um, yeah. So, uh, but it does have them, and if you are a mecha nerd, I think that there's a lot for you here. Um, like, it's, it's it appeals oh, yeah. to that, like, sort of niche otaku that i've talked about before that is definitely like an old-time otaku like rather than like the like late 90s early aughts sort of vision of it like 
the the otaku type that was like interested in like the caliber of bullet that was being used and like, yeah there's all yeah. these schematics and specific numbers like how much like pounds per square inch could like the leg supports handle or how, how many cup holders do the mechs have yeah yes yeah it, you will you will learn all of that in flag like flag is rigorous in its own like made up detail of how these robots work and what they can and cannot do uh and that also goes in some uh, way towards it like the robots like run into problems they have mechanical issues like as you say it comes across as very grounded it's not the case of oh you know my jet got blown up we'll just magically whisk one up and put like between episodes like off screen we get one in via mail order it's fine no that but like when things break in this show like they break uh you know properly and there are consequences and it takes mm-hmm. time for them to be fixed so that's nice uh-huh. Uh, I was going to say, though, Doc, uh, if I had to describe this show, like, you've done a wonderful job there, don't get me wrong, but I have already concluded that this is basically what you get if you combine the Blair Witch Project with D-Dust from Counter-Strike. Yeah, yeah, this is what what I was going to get to as well, is that, like, it is, you could almost, you know, Bl- Blair Witch, right, is a found footage horror film, and you could almost call this, like, a found footage anime, because, like... Uh, again unlike any other show i would say like 97 to 98 percent of it is either like a photo that someone has taken footage from from cameras people have taken or audio video recordings of a user interface on some machine um and that that's it like that's our window into the world um and this Imagine is... if you made an anime using only TikTok. Why would you say that? <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> oh, Am I boy. wrong though? I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing a counter to my point there. So though, that's the problem, dog. I'm not sure what point. <laughs> what the point is, other than that would just be hellish and sad, and I, I mean amusing, but also sad. Um, if the point is that it is a subjective sort of uh or or sort of the perspective uh on the events that occur is limited and like biased and everything like that then that's absolutely true because that's the sort of nature of of documentary and i think it's actually better to call this like a splicing together of two different documentaries um than oh definitely because like you actually do have one of the characters narrating over the top of documentary pieces that he is not present for because he is the one putting together all this footage and all these photos into some sort of historical document, some kind of, of record of things that, that he, for his own reasons, wants kept uh, intact um, the prototype of the YouTube response essay. <laughs> what if it was? It's like, I'm here to call out the United Nations. <laughs> the United Nations is shit, and here's why. <laughs> and here's why. Right. Um, but that's like the, the framing of the story. Like, So the story itself is about chiefly this photographer uh, called uh, Saiko Shirasu, who mm-hmm. is like happens to be in this country this made up like central asian country called um udiana 
and I've always more Middle Eastern myself. Yeah, but it's close enough that I suppose yeah. it can well, kind of be either. I think the, if I'm not mistaken, the wiki or I read Central Asian somewhere, right? But like it's it interchangeable in some ways, I think. But like they are, it is sort of mountainous. There are some mountains there, which I feel like yeah. are more Central Asian. I don't know geography. <laughs> I say, well, I'm thinking. Well, the funny thing is, like, I would be. I think we'd like you know be in the wrong if we didn't mention, of course, again that this was made in 2006, and this that's a, like not a mm. lot of time immediately following uh, both the invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, from everything that I've read and from what I've discussed with people, including uh, David himself, Navy Sherub, it's not meant to be a direct like analogy to iraq or afghanistan it doesn't seem that way um no but i think it would also be impossible to avoid like those events playing into this in some way or another um oh yeah particularly particularly in terms of how of media narrative um which we will get to because there is a like there's a dichotomy between the two narratives that run through the actual story um even though you've got one gentleman spliced together it's very clear like to me, that there is a distinction between what one person's um, footage is capable of showing versus what the others does. Oh, um, I totally agree. That's spoiler territory. That's spoiler territory, though, so we will save that. Um, but, but yeah, like, I think that it's kind of... Sorry, go on. Oh, it, it like, maybe, maybe spoilerish, but also, I think, um, important to point out because it is an indicator of the quality of this production in terms of its attention to those kind of details. It's not just the robots that get attention to detail. It is the fact that the, both documentarians, their styles of documenting and photography come through as unique to them in in the production. And so it helps, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it helps like, you know, lend something to their character. Um, you know, it, it helps kind of, inform and play off of this the philosophies of photography that they both have and that they both discuss Mm -hmm. throughout the thing um and yeah again is just like showing that the show is a sort of subtle work and is interested in details that require a certain type of engagement from the audience Mm -hmm. that are not sort of shouted Mm -hmm. over the top at you shown in battle style Yep, that's right. But I think I should also, again, just kind of dance around the issue, which is to say that you are correct you, you that it does demand wait. a certain you kind of... You must wait. You must not. I, I, I'm I, restraining myself, wait. honestly. Like, <laughs> I've been holding these points in for six months, Doc. <laughs> like, wait. I gotta get them out. But, like, I, when you say, like, you know, that this show demands a certain kind of engagement from the audience, I 100% agree with you. But I am going to say ahead of time, um, for reasons that I will explain specific to me, um, if you are not willing or don't want to give the show that kind of engagement, I actually don't blame you. This show, I'm going to argue, is not for everyone. Although I would also simultaneously argue that I think people should at least give it a try. Yeah. Not even necessarily to watch it all the way through, just so you can see first... I mean, we're describing this, like, you know, over a podcast. We're not even doing this live stream. So talking about, like, how this show is framed and that it is all through the camera, through these recordings, through cameras and photographs and such, often very first-person view, in a way that almost reminds me daftly enough of stuff like Peep Show. Um, But... (laughs) 
and that actually plays a part into like giving the characters some fleshing out of their own like who they're paying the most attention to when they're not even realizing it which i'll talk about later but yeah like this show is not for everyone and like giant robots like fighting in, in a desert in a civil war like that alone like you'd think would be neat and cool and the way flag does does that is in my opinion but it's not conventionally neat and cool that's the thing like this is not a conventional show yeah and i oh this is i'm about to touch on what you just touched on pretty soon here and and it is important to note that like that stuff doesn't even begin to happen until halfway through the anime and that's important that is an important point uh based on like what the show uh purports itself to be and its goals and what it's trying to do but we all like we always do in these non-spoiler parts we get ahead of ourselves so um shirasu right she's a photographer she's hanging out in udiana and it's this war-torn country uh the un is there their peacekeeping forces they're trying to help things they're doing not a great job but um what a surprise <laughs> what? <laughs> what a surprise that the un are doing a bad job oh slander uh, slander of the united nations i can't believe it <laughs> oh what are they gonna do send me a threatening letter right, oh yes. woo, 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 woo. oh my god what are we gonna do oh, oh no. my goodness um yeah they're they're not doing the best but like the two sides of the conflict are like i think sort of getting close to negotiating or like it's on the table though sort of like a pipe dream but then like something incredible happens like the the side that is for i guess like one of the sides of the conflict that is like i don't know for unification or or peace um ultimately or or whatever like they have a flag for uyana and or maybe it's just the flag like the, the country's flag. I'm not sure, but like this. Do you remember the origin of the flag itself? Because I'm struggling to recall like exactly I, why the flag itself was made. Is is it a new flag I, um, or is it just the nation's flag? I think it might potentially be the UN or what is meant to be a version of the UN flag, not the actual countries. Because um, the scene basically what happens here is that. A town square, I think, is reclaimed, mm-hmm. and uh, Shirasu is there photographing it, and she manages to capture the moment in which the flag is actually hoisted on top of the um, the town hall or the presidential palace, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, which, it, as it's being hoisted, like actually catches some people in silhouette behind it. So cool. And, yeah, and this this single photograph that she takes and publishes, like, has a galvanizing effect on the peace process mm-hmm. in Udiana, and like the flag itself becomes a symbol of that peace process it's like gained a lot of new meaning as a result of this like single slice of time um of this, of this moment of history i mean i think what flag is trying to do in its own way with this moment is to give you some idea of like the value of it think of this as like the tiananmen square like you know guy standing in front of a tank that kind of impact of a photograph that's i think the level it's trying to aim for inside its own fictional universe yeah and what a fictional universe because those aren't just two random people that the sun pouring through the flag allows the the shadowy silhouettes to to be in the photo no they're not Uh, one of the people that's praying is called the kufura which um is sort of uh the leading figure in one of 
the religious sects that make up um, the country. Like it's the sort of more the country has a couple of different religions that are kind of competing. Um, if not in the open, then definitely she, in the under, <laughs> in the shadows. And the Kufra is... I mean, we can draw parallels between that um, Shia and Sunni um, sects of, of Islam, for example. Sure, sure. And and if I knew more about it, then I would talk more about it, but I just feel so uninformed to speak on that. That, that is merely where my knowledge also ends. Um, but I, again, you can kind of draw parallels, even though it is a fictionalized country with a fictionalized religion, how there are internal conflicts that play out in other nations across the world, not even just Iraq and Iran. I could mention, for example, Israel, um, about you know divisions between religion. It is a big player uh, for, pl- for political power. And of course, uh, religious leadership is a big part of what happens in flag and the conflict that drives it. Totally, totally. And the Kufra is like a sort of uh sacred figure who like remains uh virginal until she like begins to get her period and at that point a new child is chosen as the kufra to be sort of again sacred virginal someone who spends all their time silent and in prayer uh and the other religion uh in in the city uh or the country rather is called the gelut and it's led by this guy called Mm -hmm. is it um RuPaul, <laughs> not RuPaul. It's like RuPaul or Ro. Yeah, I'm. I'm very. Oh God. Yeah, but we'll just say Ru because yeah, yeah, Ru Ro, something like that. But so he's sort of meant to like be. Uh, people think he's like the reincarnation of Buddha, and but but the origin of the religion is actually like a like a death cult, um. And mm-hmm. it's like an interesting like uh, thing about the show in that like I think uh, Akagi, who's an, the other main character, says like that often the history of this country is sort of wrapped up in legends, and you can find like in these like seemingly like off the wall legends of Udiana like actual history about the the culture and the country itself and that's really neat and i mentioned akagi uh akagi is uh shirasu's senpai um was her like Mm -hmm. i don't know if he was her boss for a while i think he did hire her at one point but um during the show i think he taught us some of the stuff that she knows as well yeah during the show that she's not working for for him but anyway so shirasu like you said takes this incredible photo and it has this amazing effect on the peace process it brings people together it brings the two sides to the negotiating table and she acquires a little bit of fame such that um the united nations brings her in a symbolic gesture into their um sort of task force um to document the task force goings on um and so she becomes this embedded journalist who is like yeah just there interviewing photographing uh looking at the the base and really the people on the base getting to know them and their motivations as human beings what drives them what they're like and them also getting to know her and it's in the way it plays out very slowly methodically um kind of wrapped me up in it and so i wasn't particularly like oh man when are we going to get to the shoe tans right because this is like (laughs) uh i have in my in my notes here that flag is a true war anime and what i mean by that is so often anime that use war as a vehicle to tell stories 
like war feels very kind of like a two-dimensional prop um and it's the uh gundam cool robot <laughs> right uh, the gundam problem is like gonna be a central thing uh in in our talking about the show right like uh uh-huh. but but kind of war in flag is very um are you familiar with the theory of evolution called punctuated equilibrium shadon uh, I am not, but I should. I, will this be on the test? It should will I be, be taking yes, notes. Yes, definitely take notes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh god, I usually sleep through class, but no. But, uh, please enlighten me. Please enlighten me. So, um, I think it's a like normal kind of viewing natural selection. Right? Is that like evolution is kind of gradually happening pretty regularly over time? But punctuated equilibrium. The theory behind that is like for thousands of years perhaps uh there will be no evolution and then some kind of big environmental change will happen which will cause very relatively to the thousand years of nothing rapid evolution over a short period of time and sorting i hope that isn't happening right now yeah right like so sorting the wheat from the chaff so to speak uh and then Mm. and then once uh once all the not that there's a hand at play but that's sort of effectively what's happening um not not that there's a guiding hand happening but but uh then you know well, I'm, when, I'm glad i'm glad for that because currently where we're going at the moment like you know we're living in the uh sim city 2000 game where all the disasters have been triggered simultaneously <laughs> yes bowser is uh bowser is coming for us soon i think giant spider ufo <laughs> what does the, is that real in sim city <laughs> yes that's a thing man i haven't played that that 2000 yet i should it's supposed to be the best one certainly better than uh the 2013 drive that ea offered up that time do you, do you ever play that well i see that? it no I, I didn't play it because i don't tend to want to give money to ea if i can <laughs> help it <laughs> all right um anyway getting back to why i brought up punctuated equilibrium uh because that is sort of uh almost the model of war that flag um shows us that there's long periods of quiet long periods of uh kind of mentally stewing in your own juices training retraining prep uh tweaking the technology and then rapid terrifying awful bursts of combat and then as quickly as it begins, it's over. And then there's a long period of mm. quiet once again. Um, and that, I feel, is a lot more kind of, at, at least from what I know of modern warfare, from what I've read through news stories and what have you, is a lot more uh, true to the experience of war in the 20th slash 21st century uh, than at least pre-drone warfare, I'll say, that than like something like even like eighth ms team in gundam which purports to be like the most sort of realistic kind of of gundam show in that regard um this gets more to like the accurate picture that you you know you're talking about um you know the gulf war and the iraq war and that sort of thing and and it felt like a lot more like this um me reading about it than other Mm. war stories yeah I will say this off the bat, actually, is something that I will definitely give Flag a lot of credit for. There's a lot of fiction out there that tends to be 
very military positive. Um, even stuff like, you know, I've been recently replaying Halo. That's guilty of that. Um, Call of Duty, you name it. Like, I'm mentioning video games specifically here, but there are, of course, you know, like a lot of um, American films like Transformers. I mean, Transformers 2, giant robot stuff like said Middle East later on. Like, yeah, that's, that is all pro-military fetish bullshit, basically. Um, what I appreciate about Flag, especially given the time in which it was released, and I think this might potentially be part, uh, part because it was, of course, made by a Jap... Uh, you know, someone who was Japanese, grew up in Japan. Japan has a very different re like relationship with the military. I don't even really have one. I just have the self-defense force. Um, I really appreciate how, like, especially given the time in which this was created, how it was willing to be critical of Western intervention in countries like those depicted in Udiana. Hmm. You know, because now with the benefit of history and hindsight, we, of course, well, I mean, not even that. Like, people knew at the time that Iraq and, you know, oh, yeah. Afghanistan were fucking sham wars. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, obviously that's an opinion that's become more mainstream over time, which it really should have been. It should have been the default by, you know, before it even fucking happened or it never happened at all. But point being, nonetheless, is that Flag is critical of interventionism like this from a Western perspective and very critical in turn also of how media can like be controlled um, to portray like a certain narrative, um, which is something I want you to put a pin in for like generally of what this show teaches you. Like, this show, I think, like I say, you may not necessarily enjoy it, but it will definitely educate you. And not even necessarily about, like, I'm not even talking, like, you know, giving you an idea of, hey, you know, the West intervening in, you know, Middle Eastern nations and their own internal conflicts is stupid and they shouldn't fucking do it. I'm talking more in terms of, like, just being aware of, like, how narratives are constructed both in fiction and outside of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of praise to be given for what this show just tell teaches you. Uh, that being a part of it yeah. and also for its you know bravery at like the time it was made and saying hey you know what like going into middle eastern nations like you know to try and sort things out because we're holier than now uh let's not fucking do that might be an idea although i'm sure someone will be quick to point well actually japan did send some troops over to iraq I'm like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> so uh, i didn't look that up beforehand though so well, but then and then <laughs> artists are cr free to be critical of uh you know their own country's actions too uh for sure so mm -hmm. but i i have it's funny i have um more mixed feelings on whether or not this is like uh anti-military um and i'll talk about that uh later i mean i think there's stuff there that is but i think it's just kind of complicated to do to do uh anti-war uh film or tv show is a complicated thing uh do the nature of like having to be entertaining uh but we'll we'll get to that yeah soon. we'll get to that soon um well i'm gonna i'm potentially gonna be arguing the flag is not entertaining <laughs> so that <laughs> actually avoid that actually avoids your problem right there how dare um, um but but i i say i say that though like and the thing is i'm not saying that like i would say with other shows where i'm just like like with listeners where i was just like i don't give a shit but you're saying it's boring right you're saying that that's built into the the cake not not that oh, it's the, like oh going that's for that is there is there is a set an action set action quote unquote set piece around the midpoint of the show's run that I will be going through in laborious detail where I will convince you that it is not entertaining but it is very deliberately made to not be entertaining so as to kind of avoid that cool robot problem yeah yeah I want to talk um, about that scene later too I know the one because it's it's incredible. <laughs> 
And yet it has, again, with a risk of getting ahead of myself here, like it still really works and has its own kind of tension to it, but I'll come back to that later. Yeah. Um, all right. So we there's something here that we want to discuss, I suppose, about the idea of this premise being believable. Yeah. So here's, um, here's what I mean by that, right? Is that like, if you hadn't seen the show and you weren't listening to us lay it out for you, but you picked up to the back of the box and you read like, this is a show about a photo of a flag, um, and that flag's uh, photo bringing two warring sides in a conflict to the negotiating table. I can see someone being like, like balking at that, right? And being like, what? That sounds kind of goofy. Um and I wanted to see if you had that reaction as well and what your thoughts were uh, about about that. I think it's possible. I mean, yes. I, when you bring up this question, though, Doc, like I'm actually reminded of when you and I uh, did Macross Frontier and we discussed the idea of can music actually change totally. the as it does in Macross. Totally, I was thinking the same and thing. And it's kind of the same thing yep. here. Yep. Where I think that it can happen, but I think the, the required, like circumstances for it to happen are lightning in a bottle kind of you know where it has to be very specific very heightened i mean i mentioned the tiananmen square photo for example and i'll grant you that we of course have to distinguish between like you know something actually changing as opposed to things happening which is a different thing like you know because obviously tiananmen square didn't necessarily bring like you know the communist party like you know more in line with hey maybe we shouldn't be sort of brutal assholes i mean Hong Kong, hashtag, let's move on. Yeah. Um, but y- yeah, I think it is possible, um, but I think it is incredibly rare um, and it requires a very specific set of circumstances and a certain kind of like, as you described it, pressure cooker energy. Right. But I don't think it's impossible. No, me in, neither. In fact, it's like a big part of what I'm going to be discussing later with my biggest criticism of this entire show is not going to be the fact that I find it implausible, but there are things that don't happen after it that I found to be like a catastrophic missed opportunity for this show. Yeah. Um, but we will get to that later. So, so I think like the plausibility of it has actually increased over time since it, this the show was made. I think perhaps back in the day, 15 years ago, you might be like, uh, really? I don't know. Um but well we didn't have social media back then as we know it yes now. right and so i think looking at um looking at it from exactly that point of view um and exactly that mode of dissemination you can totally see how um a photo a video a piece of art could galvanize a populace i mean america is living well, through that right now based on I was about to mention based on an awful video, not to equate the two by any means, but just simply to, I think maybe a better example and a less sort of fraught or charged example would be something that happened in sports a couple of years ago. Um, So people have known for a long time that American football players have issues with domestic violence and domestic abuse. Um, I I say that I don't want to paint all players with that but what I mean to say is like people have known that this is a problem and people have largely overlooked it like every offseason in football you'd have various players getting arrested and it would be reported out in the open the stories would be in print but it didn't seem to move people 
It didn't seem to uh, charge up anyone, even the league office, right, to get things moving, to get things happening. Uh, but then, um, probably, I think it's three years ago now, maybe uh, longer or shorter, but roughly three years ago, there was a video that happened to get uh, taken in an elevator of a football player knocking his uh, significant other unconscious, just punching her out. And mm. his name was Ray Rice. And that Ray Rice video is what, like, caught fire. People saw it. It was there. The things that you could read about for years about this sort of uh, violence, misconduct, criminal activity happening in sports, particularly American football, um, and nothing, nothing being done. Suddenly, a video is out, and and suddenly people care. Suddenly, the commissioner of football is making statements. Suddenly, task forces are formed, and things are are starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, like you said, the efficacy of all those. Uh, things you know do things happen do do changes get made that's like another question entirely and about the example i'm bringing up like you could say well not enough has been done but like in flag a piece of journalism sparked something it got people off their asses and it got people uh catalyzed uh to push to push for something new to make a change and so like yeah since we've since we've talked about Macross, like you know, and could art do it? You know, I think, I think art can, but definitely journalism can also for sure. And I think it's probably going to happen more and more in our lifetimes. Yeah, there's something that I should actually just that I've just thought of that I think I should bring up though. Where while I do think that it's plausible, I think that the event you've described there's a distinction between maybe between that and flag which totally. is that the event of capturing that moment with flag was more an act of symbolism person like captured in a single frame whereas what you're describing there was an actual act of human behavior from one person to another yeah uh, now obviously of course that moment of symbolism in flag is underpinned by human behavior because it is a you know raising of a flag in a moment like you know when the country's falling apart due to civil war but i think that basically between definitive like definitive action versus symbolism like if you wanted to say that flags premise is implausible because symbolism is a harder thing to cause an inciting event as opposed to a legitimate right like right, you know right. um like unabashed evidence of like actual human behavior then i could see you arguing that but also you've got to then remember that you know, we are the audience, and while we are actually, funnily enough, seeing footage taken at ground level, perched all the way through the entire show, um, we're also not the people living through that particular moment. We have that kind of disconnect. And I suppose in one way you could argue that might be a false of the show if you don't feel that the premise is believable, because I think it's certainly possible. Like, it's not like, you know, structurally that it could never happen, but it needs to make you believe it can. Um, well, the thing about it, the, and- the war itself, too, is ideological. And so the fact that a mm-hmm. piece of ideology or ideologically charged art in a photo, like there's some equivalence there, I think that makes it more. Yeah. 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 Mm. It, it's going to, it's going to vary, but I certainly don't think it's flat out impossible. Uh, I mean, we have, as, as Doc has told, uh, you know, us all here, like there's more enough re- evidence in just this year alone 
to prove that you know capturing a specific moment a specific point in time with a camera can change things whether or not it produces a positive change or a permanent one is up for debate but also immaterial to the points in question of whether or not it works so yeah exactly it's yeah yeah it's an entirely different yep can can it light the fire um and so so now i think that we've uh put our cards on the table there i think the last thing i want to do before we get into the spoilery discussion is attempt to like sell this animacina uh like again without going into spoilers how would i do that shadon i think i would say that if you were looking for something truly unique in terms of its storytelling method uh if you if you really like found footage uh or or documentary um if you really like um it maybe team but you want something like more kind of uh even more real right interested in modern warfare or interested in um sort of the setting then i could definitely like see those as selling points but i'm just gonna say like i just think it's a really great i mean but i can see i I, like i think you're gonna bring up i think i can see it it being kind of niche for different reasons that i'll let you go into but i would say for my part Mm. i really really liked it a lot and i think it has a beautiful message i think that it it actually moves the ball forward in terms of uh just sort of anti-war anime period and kind of what what anime could do uh animation can do as far as that goes but uh but what about you like how Uh, would you try to sell this i do unfortunately um i'm just gonna be blunt i reckon everyone should at least watch the first three episodes of flag and the funny thing is if you then actually don't end up liking it as a result of those three episodes you do the three episode test and you're just not into it that's fine because you'll have still drunk in the actual you know presentation which i think for me is the biggest selling point i could make about it beyond any of the actual substance because you let's be fair, Doc. Like you know, I mean, I I agree with you about this being a good anti-war message, but that's not exclusive to this show. There are other shows that do that and do that well. Sure. Um, I mean, we mentioned Macross for all that. Like you know, that's complete cheese. Like really, you know, there's plenty of good stuff in it. Or even like I recently rewatched. Um, I'm not sure it's as. I don't know if it's as good at it as what's maybe done here in terms of being a play i don't know it's kind of a different thing but i I see what you mean actually though now can can i really quickly because i you know i realized in our talking about like what the show is plot wise like we actually didn't talk about the the main and oh yeah um because it's not just well it's not just like taking documentary post this flag thing like the flag actually Mm. gets stolen Blue team and, has stolen the flag. You know, the UN is... It's a, it's a capture the flag. Yeah, right, it really is capture, capture the, the flag. flag. Just with giant robots. Oh, it's CNC God. Renegade all over again. But like, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right? Um, you know, Halo. More no, Halo that, no, that's Command and Conquer. That's not um, That's not Halo. There's a capture you, the flag in Halo. 
in yes, Halo 1. Yes, uh, I, was, I was referencing CNC though, like, because that's... Oh! Oh, my fault. So I'm, yeah, I... CNC not as, like, imprinted on my brain as it should be. Although I did play a fair bit of it. Uh, Red yep. Alert, I want to say, yes. back in the day? Multiplayer? Like, LAN? Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so the flag gets taken, right? And so, like, the UN force, like, that Shirazu is embedded in kind of is is tasked with, like, covertly getting mm-hmm. this flag back and figuring out who took it, why, uh, and getting it back, but has to do it, like, basically without letting the world know that the flag is gone, because this peace process is so fragile, like, where the place that they, that they are in it, that, like, they're afraid that, like, if the sides learn, oh, the flag has been taken, they might blame each other, and then conflict yeah. will erupt again. You know, this whole thing that got them to the negotiating table in the first place being being gone, and that that is sort of what propels yeah. the plot I'm- forward. Like, it's not just this documentary of, hey, here are these guys. Like, it's, it is that, but, like, while they're attempting to recover this like culturally yep. significant um, just to put that in perspective by the way um folks the team uh, that Shirasu is a part of they are being sent in to recover a piece of cloth like their lives are being put on the line to recover something that you could buy off amazon like but that's kind of crazy when you think about it there is just literally a piece of cloth and it has that much meaning to everyone involved with it and on which so much rides it's kind of nuts like it's not well, look, man. It, I mean, it would be so like, <laughs> look at the. It, it would be so easy oh, sorry, to make ahead. it like something else, like they've got the nuclear football, but they don't. It's just instead a piece of cloth, mm. and I think that the show is better for that. Like that, it is that it is something that actually has little material value, but it's the meaning behind it. That's where the real value of it lies. Like I think that makes it much more engaging as a work than, as I say, just simply being like the nuclear football or uranium rods or who knows what. You know, like it. Yeah, it's not like a, a Tom Clancy. Book. Oh God, <laughs> it ain't, ain't no mean? Splinter Cell. Thank, um, thank Christ. No, it's like, yeah, I mean, it it's uh, it is about like you said, ideology and symbolism, and I think that that is rings true. You know, when looking at the region of the world that this fake country is in, I mean, like, uh, so many wars that uh, are waged there are about immaterial things, like not not nuclear footballs, you know, that they're, that they're about religion or race or um, ideological, other ideological differences. I mean... You know, like that, you know, turn into, uh, you know, um, sort of they hit me, so I'll hit them back. But like the kind of genesis of all of it and the thing that buttresses uh, and informs all the the reaction and then proactive stuff is are, are those sort of differences of religion and ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like setting it up that way again like makes this a work that rings true truer than like you said if it was about something like that yeah <laughs> like they've we've, stolen a robot we've got you know? the <laughs> we've got the virus um oh <laughs> that was that was that, i mean that was the plot of mission impossible too to be honest so you've you think i'm crazy suggesting right. that like that's been a thing um 
Question for you though, Doc. Just I don't answer it right now, but just stew this for the later discussion though. I don't actually recall, and I have to admit here that I have notes on this show, but it has been a while since I've watched it in full. So, it, by the way, if any, I do get anything wrong, then I'm sure Doc will correct me on that. Um, but it is ever explicitly stated, like, the reason, like, is there, like, one side is, like, fighting the other other than it's just been a thing that's been going on for so long? If they do state it, it's early enough in the show that I didn't have kind of the brain anchors to attach the rationale to the side like i didn't even know the names yeah like i didn't I, you know what i mean like i hadn't got a grip on everything yeah at that point that they did it so either they don't do it or they do it so early that i just can't remember so the follow-up question to that and this is the one i want you to stew on for later is is that a bad thing for the show that it doesn't like explicitly point out an objectively true fault here like you know one racial group being persecuted uh, by another for example like apartheid that kind of thing uh and in the show's fiction that is of course like you know where there's a clear like you know fault that's happened it's like a clear unambiguous like moral injustice that's caused this civil war to happen um or, i could answer that now if you want or, or we can save it <laughs> or is it a good thing that the show doesn't do that because a lot of conflicts you know like they've gone on for so long that the original point you know now seems moot or irrelevant potentially um, I am saying that admittedly as someone who themselves has never been involved in any sort of like conflict beyond like you know, well, massively online multiplayer. You forgot to put mayo on my burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or that even. Um, so I can't speak for that. I mean, I can imagine that people who've like grown up inside, like I mean, even just close to my own doorstep, like if you were growing up in like Northern Ireland before uh, you know the Good Friday Agreement, I can't imagine what it must have been like, you know, to have lived that life knowing that you weren't getting the rights. Um, to like independent government that you were demanded for so long and that you know your father had had that mm-hmm. children so that in itself could be a point that you know like conflicts is cyclical even but it's the point where it loses all meaning but for some people that means it persists this is the thing like i wanted you just to stew on that and answer that we'll discuss that later because i feel very conflicted about that in flag like and that's i think is a part of a wider problem i have with it where it felt like i struggled to connect with this show on an emotional level um, but we will get to that in the spoilery specific mm. stuff with the big finale moments. Oh boy, that's going to be a talking mm. point. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, to go back to selling about spoilers though, like the reason I'm saying about like doing the free episode thing is because th- even if you don't care about the story, you'll have at least then got a good slice of the show's presentation, which in of itself is probably the most fascinating and interesting thing about it. And I think that watching this show will make you a smarter consumer of anime because it'll make you more, or even just television in general because it'll make you more aware of like how narratives are constructed because that's literally what's happening in this you are watching a constructed narrative about someone constructing a narrative mm-hmm. and in turn how the un to spoil a little bit will construct their own narrative to suit their own ends totally so watching this show alone like even if it's just the free first three episodes and you're like I, i'm not into it but i like you could at least appreciate what it's trying to do and you'll come away just a little smarter for it, in my opinion Oh, I should mention too, like we didn't, <laughs> another reason you, you might want to watch it is if you are interested in the works of uh, someone who I think is one of the great science fiction robot anime directors ever, Ryosuke Takahashi. Mm-hmm. He uh, has done so many, I think, really worthwhile works for like three decades um, he was doing work. I don't think he's done very much lately, um, but 
like in the 80s you know when when robot anime was sort of the crown jewel of anime uh he was out there making these real robot shows cool and more kind of grounded in some respects some of them not so much um but uh but yeah he just like kept releasing great show after great show like you know he's got you, you have uh panzer world world gallant a really interesting show about like what happens when an alien race really violates the prime directive uh and you oh yeah you, you have uh thang of the sun dogram which is another war story uh not a documentary much more conventional in terms of its storytelling but i think drawing more on things like vietnam than the 20th century or uh early 21st century wars between america and the middle east and then you have um one of my favorite franchises ever full stop uh armor trooper votoms um amazing science fiction robot show like iconic designs incredible Mm. main character um and it just kept going like he kept after that 80s tv show takahashi kept making these votoms oavs um that remained great um really I, i guess until the main character of the show stopped being in them then they got kind of less good but Anyway, um, then he made uh, Flag, of course, but before that, he made a work that is stylistically more similar to Flag than the other stuff I mentioned, um, Gasaraki. It's like a, a, a super slow burn kind of show about like mysticism and robots. Um, mm, very interesting. Sorry. In- interesting because you don't have to hear like about mysticism or magic being mixed together with giant mecha really um so that's uh, mm-hmm. that's piqued my interest already like i, t- I tend modern to like keep an eye wow okay yeah i mean i can name like probably a couple of franchises just on one hand that do that where they mix magic and technology together in interesting ways like um shadow run for example but anyway um one thing i just want to bring up about what you've been saying about uh Ryosuke takahashi though doc is that i i personally haven't consumed any of his other work whatsoever but I've heard that he has a reputation, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that a lot of his, like, robot shows are very dry. Like, he doesn't, like, show, like, try and go for spectacle in them. Um, I think, which I think is... I think that's king, unfair. King flag. Yeah, I think that that's a bit unfair. I think that that is indicative of certainly Gasaraki. I mean, Gasaraki is... The, that is a, a bounce-offable show. Um, but, uh, and Flag as well, because of it being kind of yeah going for the slow burn uh and the slow build yeah. over the spectacle the his so so his later stuff yes but i don't think his 80s um stuff is that really at all um and mm. what is more like it, he also has excelled in his role as like a producer and writer um like he actually uh was the head writer for the 1980 adaptation of Astro Boy which is not dry at all. Um, And he produced, you know, like I said, the man had been doing real robot shows forever, but he was the producer Mm. on like 
the great certainly the greatest super robot franchise of the nine a show of the 90s if not of all time king of braves gal Gygar. um mm. that is a, a top five favorite thing and uh and he had uh, crazily enough helped produce it but i mean given given the flag versus it's, it's like if he had helped do die buster you know what it's that kind of Ooh. like gal Gygar is so like conventionally super robot and spectacle and bright colors and yelling attack names and explosions and it's amazing but it just is the just totally the opposite of of flag but you could feel takahashi there giving it weight because it's part of this whole universe of shows these brave shows and it's like far and away the best one and it's because takahashi's Hmm. presence i think is a big part of it yeah well i should mention like that even if that reputation were true like being like dry is not inherently a bad thing that can be part of what makes a work work and in flag's case like when we get to the uh, scene that we discussed earlier and we discussed that in more detail like i'm gonna lay out in laborious detail how that works so well uh, and how it feels almost like a counter to spectacle driven mecha shows in a really good way like don't get me wrong, I love my I love my giant mecha that like blow shit up. Like, you know, give me the Macross missiles every day. You know. I haven't even seen the show yet, but like the big O's piston punch. We all love that shit. Yeah. There's always gonna be a place for that stuff. But Flag like is very methodical and mechanical in how it does its robot combat. And on conventionally you would think that's really boring. But I'm gonna argue that yes, there's a reason for that. And it works as a result of that reason, but we'll get to that. Oh, also, um, if you like front mission, if you like the front mission games, like the the robotness happening here, uh, like th- those robots look like front mission units, and you you get sort of schematics and uh, the the different parts of the robot matter, um, like all that stuff. So I think if you if you like the front missions, maybe that's a way that you could you could kind of get in here and situate yourself. Um, mm. So you you're gonna say you're gonna give it like a like a sort of uh, hesitant recommendation, uh, like give it a try. No, I I am of the opinion everyone should try it mm-hmm. unreservedly. But I like is this probably the weirdest recommendation I've ever given because I can't recommend it for anything like in terms of emotional engagement. Um, I can't recommend it in terms of entertainment as we conventionally understand it. Man, um, that's I why I'm saw... saying like. That, okay, no, you go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you anymore. Go ahead. <laughs> you really, you really do want to though. You really want. Well, I just you, had you such a different experience, like with the emotional engagement. Like I was engaged by the end for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, as I say, would recommend people watch at least the first three episodes. If you don't then care about what happens in the show in terms of its plot, um, uh, that's fine. You've you've got the actual visual motif in the way it's all constructed, and that's the big takeaway. That's the reason that you would come and watch this show, in my opinion. So yeah, unreserved recommendation, despite the fact that I ultimately feel a bit lukewarm on it overall, which is kind of crazy, but that's the way this show works, at least for me personally. The form seems to have got you more than the content. Oh, absolutely. 
Uh, Whereas we'll I'd, get I would that, recommend, I'd recommend it on both levels. But I think now we could probably uh, throw the shackles off. We could say, hey, from here on, we're going to be uh, Yes! Uh, we're going to be talking about everything. So if you haven't seen the show and you want to see it, don't be spoiled on it. Like, then stop here and come back later. So uh, let's now talk about the big picture. Like, I think before we get into, like, the grimy details, like, what what is flag about does flag work why or why not like what are your big picture overarching thoughts on the show hmm well for me one of the takeaways i got from it was again the idea of it critiquing western interventionism but also the idea of constructing narrative like to, to spoil basically um yes uh like shirasu's team the un team that she's a part of with the giant mechs they do recover the flag it doesn't go smoothly, uh, because this needs to be 12 episodes, so if you're expecting them to get it back in the fourth, then, well, surprise. <laughs> but they do get it back. Um, but the UN that puts a moratorium or a gag order on Sherasu from basically releasing any of the footage. Shocker. On her side, anyway. <laughs> yep. Not not a single shred of it will be go public. Until um, they're going to give it back to her after they redact it. <laughs> which is just going to, yeah. like, it's going to be... Swiss cheese at that point. It's gonna be hard to. It's all. It's all gonna be. It's all gonna be sensor pixelated. Like it's just made entirely of dongs. You know, <laughs> right? That's all it's gonna be. Yes. Um. But one thing I should note, by the way, you. Uh, this is also another spoiler here. But if you've been paying attention, you might think to yourself, "Hey, wait a minute! Didn't you say that you know, like that there was a dude narrating this?" But then you think to yourself, "Why isn't Shirasu narrating any of this?" Hmm. I wonder why. Um, and indeed, you know, if the U- think of it itself, like on a meta level, if this footage is gagged by the UN, how can we, the audience, are seeing it? How did it get out into the world? Uh, so that in of itself is like a building block of the idea of constructed narrative. Um, they explain it's that very in the meta. story. How that? Oh, they, they, do. they do. Yeah. So, like, what happens is, like you said, the the UN says, you know, uh, screw you, uh, this footage, we're going to redact it, and all that stuff. Um, here are your personal effects now that you've been booted out of the base. And it's just a little note from Lieutenant Chris Eversoft, who is best girl in this show. Um, you, you might not have thought that I had a best girl in flag. Surprise! <laughs> I do. Um, she says... I didn't even remember her name. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> she's the, like, commander of the operation. And she... Oh, rules. yes. Like, there's a reason that everybody is like... I'll run through a brick wall for you, ma'am. And she, like, I just love her as a boss, how she takes up for her people. She's tremendous. But uh, she just gives a single one-page note in an envelope to Strasu that says, like, your good luck charm's looking a little ragged, isn't it? See you later. And she's like, what? That's it? Uh, and she's like, then a light bulb pops on. Oh. And she fiddles with her um, good luck charm that was in the envelope that they gave back to her. And the unaltered memory cards of her footage are in the stuffed toy so that yep. is how um the that akagi got a hold of all the footage is because he got those uh from her personal effects when she meets her sad end yep she dies in a car bomb as she's about to fly out of the country yikes so so much for that peace process eh i know right? it's all for nothing 
Yeah. Well, and so Akagi has a. Well, I don't know if it's all for nothing, but we'll talk. Well, about I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean the peace process. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, the footage got out in the end, and you can then read into the after effects of that however you wish. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, Shirasu is uh, is killed as a result. Um, it's not even clear if it was specifically they were trying to kill her. Yeah, I don't think um, so. From my memory, but even even if that is the case, like you know, that's still pretty tragic. Um, so yeah, Akagi essentially like in the closing moments of the show. Um, is documenting like him putting together the footage and then he releases it out to the world, uh, including his own side story, which is its own narrative separate from Shirasu's. They do converge um, in the closing like acts of the show, mm-hmm. literally converge as in they're in the same physical space. Um, oh, we're going to talk but about he says, different. But he actually says that he doesn't have any interest in releasing it. Like he's talking to, so he and uh, one of the I can't remember her name, but uh, a woman who's a journalist. Um, early on there's a bombing in the city um, in one of the earliest episodes and her significant other dies um, mm. and you know she and Akagi become sort of closer bit by bit throughout the show and like he's talking to her with the camera on and that's probably a thing that we talked about plausibility there's some shots in this that you're just like how could a, a person get the shot or do you don't think the the person you're talking to would notice you left the camera on after they told you to turn the camera off. Like, that's probably yeah, the, but, I'm, but, but it's, it's not even like filming on your phone. Like, you know, these are literally full size, like professional big cameras. SLRs. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but she sort of says like, you know, what are you up to? And he tells her, I'm putting together this footage. She's like, are you going to release it? He's like, I, I don't really care about that. Like, I'm just doing it for me. So, but but who knows, right? I mean, like he could say that on film, but like later change his mind. It's it's, it's all like kind of goes to your point about constructing the narrative. Actually, I think. I mean, we watched it, so if you want to argue about the like fourth wall here, you know, it did get out in a sense. In yeah, the end. somehow, somehow. Yeah, maybe maybe he put it on a you know Google Cloud Share or something and forgot to like turn sharing off. He you does know. have the maybe files. As separate episodes set up on his, the, the PC. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the crazy thing about it. It's like, you think we're, like, talking, like, oh, God, it can't be all that into, like, its own structure, like, as in, you know, cameras and stuff. Like, the... No, the episodes, like, are literally listed on, like, this DVD kind of menu, and it mm-hmm. goes through all of them it, it, sequentially. And then there's a closed-down animation, like, of a camera being turned off. Uh, and, oh, by the way, all of the shots that take through cameras have all of the appropriate UI elements so for good. a camera as well. So including, like batteries Listen. for example you know like folk etc i love interfaces i love them it's a thing that i like it's weird but ui really does it for me like i just love that shit and so the fact that it's all over the show is a heat like it's it's just delightful to me i, I love it that it's, it's very authentic it's very authentic it helps sell it uh, yeah. in my opinion and but even like like it's not just that he like clicks play on a video and we see what what transpires it's what we're seeing is like recorded footage of him closing down a video and opening up a picture and then talking over it or like switching back and forth between videos like we see on his desktop like him doing that like it's 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 nuts (laughs) in that way it's it's meticulous yeah Yeah. like he's really pasting together all these threads to get across very particular points yeah speaking of which just one small aside while we're on kind of on topic about it uh, akagi talking and, and the racing like 
that is an amazing bit of foreshadowing for what happens to Shirasu. Because mm-hmm. that's again, this is why I'm, this is why I'm saying about educating you to pay attention to stuff like this. Because that clue is there from the beginning. Why is he talking, like you know, in the past tense over footage of himself talking about the events, but she's not? Yeah. Wouldn't he want her involved in this? What's going on here? It piques your interest, and then you find out why, and it all suddenly makes sense retroactively, and you're like, holy shit, um, it's crazy. It's again like it's a real strength of this show in terms of its presentation and the way it's constructed. But um, do I want to talk about this now? Or do I want to? S- no, you know, what? let me get let me get the big bugbear out of the way because I can talk about the actual positive stuff. Like get the get the thing that made me grouchy or like well, not so much grouchy as it just made me think like God, why didn't you do this? Um, and then I can talk about the nice stuff later. So here's the thing, right? Um, and Doc, you please do feel free to correct me because a lot of this hinges on my memory and my memory is like, you know, a soggy, like, alcohol-riddled mess in most of the time. So, but here's the thing that bothers me about this show. Um, I think there's one scene to my memory, only one, where Shirasu, um, like, speaks to the camera and tells her, like, no, there's two. Sorry, there's two. There's one at the start and there's one at the end after she's told to get about the gag order. Um, where Shirasu, like, talks to the camera alone, like, you know, she sets up and it's, like, video log style right. about her feelings and what how she feels about what's going on. Uh, like, she's upset that she's, you know, like, all the mem- like all the hard work of the team, like, you know, trying to preserve the peace process is wasted and they're not going to learn, you know, like, they're not going to be celebrated as the heroes they are for doing what they've done to save this country. Um, the issue I have is this, and I'll sum it up in one sentence. The show does nothing, in my opinion, with what it, what how Shirasu feels about being the person who took that photograph. Like to me, the idea of I took a photograph, like just by chance, uh, that you know has suddenly like massively inspired the peace process, and we don't get any in a, like any time of her like alone talking about it, and how she feels like about the responsibility it's put on her, or like how she didn't want it. Like I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Like all of this stuff that I feel the show could have included to really like make into like a deep, like a big character moment for her, it isn't there. It's such a missed opportunity, in my opinion. Like that's a big fucking deal that you've essentially become an overnight celebrity and also potentially a target. Because you just happen to be in the right place, right time to take this one photograph, and now people are looking at you to do that, like, and we don't get like too much of a look at her, like, you know, thoughts about that. And this then leads into something I'll mention as well, like, as people are going to say, well, but Shad's like, you know, it's a found footage thing. Akagi only had to work with what he had to work. Not so, because remember, even with a show like this where it is explicitly constructed in such a way as to be presented as found footage and be as ground as possible, it's all still the creation of an artist. Not Akagi, I'm talking about Takashi, of course, and his team. So they could have made anything they wanted to do, you know, for this show. And I think that the omission of, like, you know, giving Shirasu, like, moments of humanity where she reflects on, like, holy shit, I've done this incredible thing, what does that mean to me? is a massive, massive hole in this show's, like, enjoyment for me personally. I love character narratives. I didn't have a sense, really, of who she was by the end of this. I struggled with it. Um, I, yeah, and that's why her death kind of rang a little hollow to me in the end. I know that we'd spent a lot of time with her and all that, but, like, I didn't really know much about who she was as a person. Now, I will say, 
there was one moment, and this is where I actually believe, like you said, best girl thing. I actually started doing some shipping in this because there's a Japanese lieutenant right. on the team yep. who's the mech pilot. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of scenes in which Shirasu like, is not actually talking to him, but she's just filming. And this is, I think, a really neat point in the show's favor, by the way, where she spends a lot of time looking at particular people. And that, of course, implies her where attention is drawn to even if she's not necessarily like doing professional interview work and you know there's a lot of times where she's like zooming on this little japanese uh, lieutenant guy ichinagi and i'm like is she into him that's yeah. the closest i got to feeling some sort of idea of like her being a person like you know like having her own thoughts wants desires fears etc and for me the rest of it like just felt very hollow and that i think is the big problem i have with flag it is that I said I was like I wasn't emotionally engaged with it because I couldn't help but not get past this problem of like I want to know what her inner thoughts are, and I'm not even talking like about her giving a monologue or anything like that that breaks the the structure of the show. I'm saying I wanted more like video log moments, like what we saw in the first episode where she goes, "Shit, I did this fucking thing. It's changed this country entirely. I don't know if I can cope with that. Can I cope with that? You know." Um, that's just a spitball there. So, yeah, that's my big bugbear with the show. And I, Also, I mentioned about Ferran Martin's review where I agreed with it, but I, I didn't. That's the problem I had with it. Like, and I'm not saying Ferran's wrong for not mentioning this or that, you like, you know, it's a, like, you know, I know better than him. But that, to me, like, was the point of disagreement more than anything else. Like, not anything that he actually said, but more that I just thought, I wish there was more character to this. So I open the floor to you now, Doctor. Tell me in all the many ways that I forgot about various scenes that actually do do that. But hey, uh, well, no, I, I don't necessarily think that that there's just a ton of those. She, I mean, in fact, there there aren't. Where, with her sort of putting the camera across from her and saying, "Captain's log, star date four two four four. These are my feelings. You know what I mean? Like you, I think that. So how should I start my rebuttal? I think that I would like sort of. Uh, misuse a Maya Angelou quote here and say, like, don't believe someone when they tell you who they are. Believe them, they show you. And I thought you were about to say turtle power. Yep, mm-hmm, that too. Um, not Michael Angelo, Maya Angelo. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought the I thought the mic had cut out. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a funny place for a, a dropout there. No, Maya Angelou. Um, that she said, you know, that believe people when they show you who they are, and I think that this is like a top tier anime in terms of the show don't tell style of uh, not just storytelling, but like getting to know the characters because i feel like i do come away with a really great sense of who she is and how she feels about certain things kind of uh through uh, uh you know not that she ever directly answers your question that you just said like how do i feel about that but she actually i think indirectly you kind of get a sense of of how she does based on like her arc in the show i think she clearly does have an arc because you know there's a point in the show when that person that you talked about um the japanese lieutenant whose name i can't remember grabs the camera because he's tired of being interviewed by her and turns it on her and says hey do you like this why do you take pictures how do you feel about the person who took the picture of the flag how do you feel about the flag being stolen and she's like can't say anything because she doesn't know how to react to being the person on on film but 
you actually see them kind of overcome that rift between them and you hear her talk about like uh especially at the end but like you you see some some different stuff uh of her kind of realizing kind of coming to terms with like why she's taking pictures and that's to like give people hope right that like photos and photography that kind of documentation can serve as like a a lantern um how does it how does she put it like uh that that photography photos are like a prayer and they're an act of courage in that way she says they light the way forward with hope for tomorrow and like that's why you know she ends up staying in udiana or or intending to uh after everything that went on um because she's kind of found her purpose so we definitely see her grow from someone who i think is just sort of doing a job that she's good at to someone maybe with some like she she loves it but she doesn't really understand why but like she grows to understand why and grows to like sort of understand like you know documenting is not just about uh sort of keeping track of events it's like getting to know people and showing like these unabashed portraits of them and all this other stuff and i think you know we get character sort of moments from her based on the framing of who she's taking pictures of and and why and how often like you said you know lingers on different subjects we see the looks that her subjects give her and they they like there's a a robot mechanic that has a lot of fun with her they have a fun repertoire we see her kind of go from an outsider like she begins this as a real outsider um Mm -hmm. to most of them especially like the vice commander uh the asian young woman with glasses is very sort of skeptical of her too like at the end you feel like their interactions are a lot more like you're you're one of us you know what i mean and we can tell a lot about her without needing to see like exposition from her in my opinion um you know i I, yeah i i feel like i came away with a definite sort of sense of who she was and what her calling was and what was important to her um after Mm. it was over and her death i felt was really even more than her death what stung me is actually that the part uh at the end of the previous episode when um the this the the helicopter of the task force the team she's a part of like turns and flies away leaving her behind in the mass of you know un troops that don't know anything about her and she's just like they'd like what they wash over her like a tidal wave and she like sinks down into them and they kind of take her into custody it's like oh my god like she's her family is leaving her like because they really truly become her family over that time and that really gutted me and uh that that hurt because I think I think the death uh, and I'll say in a minute I think the that her death actually serves to make the themes a lot more credible and believable and what the the show is trying to say like it sort of takes away some of the like um, naivety that you might attribute to the themes of the show um, but yeah I I totally didn't have that uh, that problem. Um, I felt I knew her really well. I felt I knew like 
a lot of uh, I thought a lot about the show was actually pretty well realized and I'll go into that on future points but Hmm. um but yeah so hard disagree Mr. Shads um (laughs) what a surprise (laughs) (laughs) I'm just remember the remember the shot of her like like you see, you oh, you're asking me to you're asking me to remember shit here, Doc. Uh, okay. Like you know, we, <laughs> like well, this is difficult. Okay. Mate. No, I can't. I can't. Well, well, I can't. There's a great shot of her. Um, like, I mean, she's always been kind of brave, right? But like, there's this this amazing shot of her, um, beside Lieutenant Nikonen, who he was the one who he's like the big burly guy who was going to get, uh failure of the flag recovery like pinned on him he was going to be the scapegoat but she's next Mm -hmm. to his uh his havoc robot and uh you see through his interface shots of her just like so caught up in taking pictures and and seeing things like what kind of not really caring about her own life not that she's sort of throwing it away but she's just not even thinking about it she's so caught up in like sort of um capturing these events so that she can create something and so that people can respond to it um because she Mm -hmm. realizes how important that is like because she's done it with the flag and that's why like i Mm -hmm. think that this documentary becomes so important to her um in addition to like these the people in the um uh subakshi i guess is the name of the city the military base close to that becoming her family um so yeah man from a character point of view i think it does take time to get there but for me like by like the about halfway to two-thirds of the way through the show um i was like super invested in the characters at that point it it does take time because Mm. it doesn't kind of like you said build them up in a in the conventional way because it's telling the story in this very different way than we're used to seeing yeah i mean i'm just speaking straightly for myself here and uh, i freely admit that first off my memory's terrible <laughs> and secondly um this is a show that as much as i said before like you know give it the free episodes like, you need to kind of approach on its terms as well uh, maybe i wasn't giving it necessarily that kind of due but i do stick with my point because i am of the opinion and the you know of the age-old you know ancient philosophy of why not both why could we have not had both what you've described there and these more intimate moments of her alone talking to the camera as she did before? Like I just think the, that would have been... Episode and... I feel like that would have been antithetical to her as a person that we get to know and 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 kind of this what the show was, was trying to do. Because she she was there... Like, she she's not the kind of person that wants to insert herself into her work. Like she did it at the end because she's saying goodbye to Akagi um, before going back to Japan and she has you know some things to get off her chest at that point but like I mean she just doesn't ever do that at any point because it's not her personality it would seem really weird for her to insert herself into her own work and then just have all that much to say and all these opinions to begin with like well, I, I disagree, and I think it actually could gel with the idea of the show, and again, like, constructed narrative, which is 
here's how she is in private versus here's how she is with, you know, the rest of the team when she has spot her face, for example. You can do things with that. Um, so I think it would work with the theme of the show, uh, or one of the themes anyway. And I think it, speaking strictly for myself here, I would, would have made me care. <laughs> like, and that's really cold of me to say, but I can't lie about my reaction here, which is that I just didn't feel much of anything towards her or a lot of the other characters, really, to be quite honest. I don't know why. Maybe it is just literally that, you know, I'm not get, approaching the show on its own terms here. But it just didn't do much for me. And I wish that it, we had more of those, like, moments. Like, But, again, that's just me. Well, maybe I'm talking yeah. out my ass. Yeah. Maybe maybe I didn't, give, you know, give it its fair due, its fair shake. But I am what I am. <laughs> and, I'm, and, you know, if we're to be damned, we'd be damned for who we are. And I just did not care. Right. Um, well, I think I think I had a I think I had a similar uh, reaction appropriately enough to give you some more recent context, doc, like to how I reacted to listeners, which is there was nothing strictly wrong with what I was looking at. Well, and um, well, in fact, there, there was, was. Stuff, but I just <laughs> well, okay, okay, there was stuff wrong in listeners, but what I mean to say is in terms of like spe- like the way the characters do like do stuff, like there was nothing wrong with what we got, but it was felt very boneless to me. Um, and that's my reaction to um, Flag's character side, which I think for me was like the big factor in why that I ultimately, as much as I like the show and I like what it was trying, like it won't stick with me afterwards beyond like the wow. academic side of things. Mm. You all call it that, where I took away the the points like about like, hey, this is neat for how it's constructed. And that's why I was still happy to recommend it on that basis. But I would not personally recommend it like if you're interested in character stuff. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, not every story has to be told the same way. And so, like, this one, oh, no. this one is not a character-focused story. Like, this is, like, the characters are the form. Like, the form itself is the main character. And then, of course, war. And it is about these people that become her family. And I'm saying, like, these are things I got out of it. But it's because, I think, it, it the show really does demand your full attention and a lot of engagement and a lot of like I guess I don't want to say this in a shitty way that makes it seem like oh, I'm just smarter or I just paid more attention but like I really do no, that's think my like, job if, on the show. if you are <laughs> no I really do think I don't, I don't believe that if you really are just like approaching it wanting like this very kind of typical conventional kind of character beats and storytelling it's going to leave you wanting like you have to you do have to meet it on its own terms and in my opinion there are a lot of interesting characters and great character moments that are that are there for you um but you do, but because it's not an omniscient perspective um there's a lot that's like cut between and you know it's not the main character has this personality where she does not want to put herself into this work that is not who she is that would be a betrayal of who she is and the show doesn't want to be a character show and so the show does not want to overwhelm you with like her opinions and her face in the camera and like this is best girl check her out um like that's <laughs> well you've already decided you're the best girl is anyway so oh, exactly doesn't matter. yeah but i mean <laughs> i just think that that would just be such the wrong kind of like it, like I feel like if you suggested that to Takahashi, he'd be like, "What? What? Why? That's not. That's that would make it a totally different show." Um, 
I thought you were about to say that if I suggested to Takashi, he'd like get into a fight with me or something. No, he, he doesn't seem he just, like that kind of a chap. I've, I've built this robot finally, and I get to use it to silence my critics. <laughs> nah. Well, that's that. Look, I, I'm ultimately not going to disagree with you in the sense like that I think you're wrong. I'm just going to say that I just had a different reaction to it. And yeah, there you go. So, um,. Well, what I think the show is about, I guess, is what I'll transition into next. Like, And I spoke to some of it already. Just that I think the main kind of takeaway, uh, or thematically, probably, apart from, like, the form stuff and the anti-war. Well, this is sort of an anti-war theme, honestly. But, like, I think the ending in particular wants to wants to say through Shirazi's point of view, right? That like photography and journalism is that it is that hope. I mean, like there's a lot about like the philosophy of photography in this, that like, as soon as you take a picture of something, it becomes the past. Um, and hmm. like about how distance between you and your f- subjects, like tells this story of emotional closeness between you, like all sorts of different things like that. And like why you take pictures, but like, I think Shirasu finally realizes in the end, right, that, like, she loves taking pictures because what she wants to do is, like, be like this, like, have them be like a lighthouse for people. Um, Have them be like this prayer. Like, she loved that photo that Akagi showed her of a family praying because she's, and she's like, I realize that's what photography, what what photos are. They, They are this sort of prayer for hope for tomorrow and, like, saying, I'm going to, like, look toward tomorrow with courage and face it and you know she does die at the end in this in this car bomb on her way to the airport and it's it's very sad it's very tragic we by the way uh just to mention about the death um why well, I, I stand by my point that I, I wasn't affected by it like i can't deny that it was at least executed well in terms of like how it was presented in that we don't see it really we see an explosion in the distance and then akagi tells about it and that I think really helps get us into his mindset because I'll I'll say this like what you you were saying about like you know how it puts things in the past now like this is a past tense story and like I think that it works with Akagi trying to get across like the pain he feels about Shirasu's death that he has to now reflect on all of this material being the only thing he'll ever see of her again like you know yeah. that there's going to be no new f- footage coming from her like or even no like you know meetups like so they, they do meet like at the start of the show and then they meet at the end um so i think that like again it didn't af- emotionally affect me but i can see where they to me at least they did a lot of things right um with how it was presented um keeping it like as cold and clinical as there's an explosion in distance and she's dead like as as akagi tells it like it's shocking it, it feels yeah. like it just kind of came out of nowhere and that's the point mm-hmm. Totally. which works so i will definitely credit that even if ultimately i say like the end result didn't get to me but i can't deny that at least what some of what they were doing to me was definitely well executed i think if she had lived it would have ultimately while i would have left the anime like in a better mood like i think the the themes of the show i again could have been then open to like the accusation of naivete because i think like the fact that you know the flag was found and that the peace process has begun the country 
Udiyama is temporarily at peace. Like, if it just sort of ended in that way, that would have been, that would have rang hollow and false, right? Because war, like, and violence are still going to be, at, like, clawing at humanity. Like, one one victory doesn't mean that you've won, like, the total sort of a conflict or, or op, you know, that, that the opposition of war, hate, violence is now like, oh, we've done it. We have achieved it. We've got it now. Um, yeah. That, like, that that's still there. Well, well you, 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 that, that you, you know, when, when you brought up by it right after her discovering yeah. her purpose, right? But, like, I don't think it invalidates, like, anything that she, that she says or, or tries to do. Like, I think no not all that like human beings like creating things um even amidst chaos or or violence or ruin or civilization collapsing like human beings making things and getting other human beings to like see things uh and respond to them i mean it's how the peace process even took place in in was even a thing in the first place because amidst this like situation of oh this is never-ending war this this creation this art this photo emerges that like moves people forward and like hmm. that i think is what it's wanting to say about photography in particular but about like art maybe about journalism also in general that like shirasu's death doesn't take away from all that but it shows that like you know that the, it's an ongoing an ongoing thing yeah and that creation that that people need to still create things and still show other people things to to move all of us like forward like and um mm. you know the akagi i think at the end is saying like he talks a lot about 10 million kufras and her being one of them like that you know shirasu can't be the only one that's doing this um it needs to go on yeah yeah absolutely and i mean he he himself like you know like actually then as we understand it releases the footage because things do need to change and i should also mention that again to bring up the time period in which this was released um it's kind of funny how like Obviously, we had, I discussed, like, you know, about all the stuff, like, about Iraq and Afghanistan, and yes, they're not the same thing, but the parallels are there, and when you were bringing up, like, the whole, like, hey, it's all clean and done, and that's it, well, we, of course, you and I both remember seeing uh, George Bush land that fighter jet with the mission accomplished, uh, you know, banner behind (laughs) him, Yep. in the, yeah, which is the second, like, which is the second, like, thing, for like, the second most prominent thing I remember about Bush uh, the first being, of course, when that gentleman threw his shoes at him, which was absolutely warranted. Should have been a brick, in my opinion, but hey, you know, he had what he had. Um, but nonetheless, like, it's just look at real life and how accurate Flag is about that, in that obviously what followed, even after the show was released, like, is the, you know, like, collapse of security in Iraq, the rise of IS, and so on. So, yeah, it... I I agree with you. I'm, I certainly don't think that her 
I mean, but you and I have had this discussion before, like, like you just want her to die. Like, you know, like, well, I've said, hey, maybe this character should have died at this point. And you'd be like, <laughs> no, like, what are you, you're a, you're a psychopath. But though I am in agreement with you that I think her death does serve a very strong point. And again, it, it gels in with the idea of, like, Constructor, because, like, Kagi's now, he's asking for out a lot of it, like, what were you thinking? Like, you know, what, yeah. what was going through your head at this time? And... Funnily enough, I was asking the same question, but not in the, not in the way that he was, now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yeah, I agree with your points on that, that um, it certainly serves that point, and I think that it's important, like, you know, that I think it goes with the overall idea that Flag has, that, again, interventionism for a Western power is usually dubious, uh, morally suspect, um, or at least, you know, like, is not made with the best of intentions um because in the end like you know the un wants this flag back and there's obviously the risk of life to like you know the the soldiers themselves just to recover a piece of cloth which is crazy like we'll get to the uh temple uh set piece in a, in a little yeah. bit and i think um, like i mean the, I, I could see some people saying like well the end is just like saying well you should give up right that there's always going to be bad shit but i think like that it's it's the reality that there's always going to be bad shit, but I think the ending is saying for us to be vigilant and for us to create in ways that are intentional about showing people bad shit, but also like, I don't know, just creating beautiful things in general and art to, to move people and move people away from that, the bad shit and to create yeah. things we want to create like the world we want to live in and like i think i would love to have like someone i can't play this game because my computer's not good enough but there's um there have been a couple of indie games that have come out recently about photography one in particular seems very interesting called umarangi generation and it's very much like not about war particularly it's it's a the war's already happened like it's a post-apocalypse um or or maybe the sort of concurrently the apocalypse is sort of going on like society is crumbling but like it's about in the in the far off year of 1997 yes yes right but these these you, you get a job as a photographer and kind of it's I, I think it's saying some really interesting things that might align with some of the things that flag uh flag is saying in, a, in an interesting mm-hmm. way um but I, I will i will say that like you you're saying about like how shirasu dying is a good thing for the story that I can envision a different scenario in which it wouldn't have been, which it would have been, oh, uh, she had the memory card with her and all of her work was lost in the bombing as well. Like, if that happened and then we basically got nothing and it was just all Akagi trying to piece it some... Uh, this is a completely different version of the, sh- of the show, of course, because, yeah. like, half the material is hers. But, like, I can see it being done in a way that would have definitely not yeah. worked. But it definitely did here in terms of, like, what I was trying to do thematically. I, again, didn't I didn't care, but like in terms of emotional investment, but I got what they were going for in terms of the themes and the fact that, you know, it works also with the presentation. They, they also did that with another character, that uh, young man I mentioned earlier, who is the significant other of the journalist lady that Akagi keeps meeting with. Um, all mm-hmm. of his, you know, they show pictures of like CDs full of info that are like broken apart. And all the information. Oh man, you remember CDs? Yeah, CDRs full of data. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, I know. Um, like a spindle full that's like been destroyed, and like so it's it's sort of it does like the sh- the show does like um 
point out early on like information is not only like malleable right because look at this whole production here but also fragile like and because like Mm -hmm. there's this instance of it all going to waste i'm glad like you that they didn't do that with with her that would be it would also be weird because yeah. then how would we be seeing <laughs> how would we be seeing the story? Well, well, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like by it's saying it would be a very different sh- uh, show as a result. But I think it just goes to the point that it's like what I said earlier. Um, it's never like inherently a problem to kill off a character. It's the question of whether or not you do it well. And in this case, again, speaking for myself, if that disconnects emotionally, they did do it well. Tell me, um, tell me speaking, a discussion. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, tell me your next discussion point. But you're not done. So well, I. Uh, well, actually, I was just about to lead on to that with the f- idea of disconnects, which is appropriate. Um, so this, again, I think goes into Flag's idea of, like, anti-interventionism, because if you think about it, like, from the moment that Shirasu joins the UN uh, flag rescue team, you know, the uh, they're being sent into the other side of facing Will, so you'll get the flag back. Yeah, there's your real tournament reference there, getting that out of the way. Um, like, what we're seeing, though, Lost is that she's lead. spending time with... T- <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> like what you're seeing, what you're seeing there, of course, is her like with the actual, um, you know, team that are doing that, and that's something worthwhile documenting. I would argue because there's certainly plenty of war crimes in our history, and, and I'm not saying this is a war crime we're doing, but obviously you need like that. Um, God, what's it called? That observer position, you know, like right. where. Um, God, what what's the word for it? Why can I not suddenly think about it? It's um, oversight. There we go. Hmm. You need that kind of oversight. And that's Overwatch. also kind of what journalism... No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need you need that kind of oversight, um, you know, going on there. But if you think about it, though, like, Shirasu, as much as she is trying to, like, you know, capture this particular team's work, um, the difference between what she's doing and what Akagi is doing is he's capturing the lives of the actual Udidian people. And right. I think that's really important to know that... For all that Shirasu is doing good work, like, she's also kind of unintentionally, um, at least from her perspective, I think the show's doing this deliberately to draw comparison and contrast. Like, she's forgetting, like, about the people whom for this is actually the most vital for. Well, except you know, for like, episode... She except for episode nine. Yes, argue. that's the moment where that's the moment where that comes back. Um, she, but otherwise... She stays with those nomads, who I can't remember the name of them. They have a particular yeah. name, but... Um, so really, and, and you know, the Uriana, this goes to the next point I'm going to make, but like it, it, it's, they do an incredible job, I think, in Flag of, of sort of, you feel like it's this real place. You have a real sense of place yes. because there's all these different kind of venues that we see and get to know in detail. Like, so Akagi is documenting the city of uh, Subakshi, mm-hmm. like I think it's the capital like so he and that's where you know in and around there is where some of the fighting most of the fighting takes place and you know that's where the religious temples are held so yeah i mean he's got this really important perspective like you say but like there are other udianians that aren't living in in that city and she gets mm-hmm. um kind of a, a really big dose of their perspective by staying with them and following around this doctor and I God, that's I think that's really the point. That episode is where I started going from appreciating the show to really liking it. Yeah, that that's, that stuff was great um, with the nomads. Don't get me wrong, and I think that again, there's a point of contrast here, which is that the military base they're on shouldn't even exist here if it's on their territory. Like you know, it's the encroachment of like warfare into like 
you know the peaceful life these people have been leading right um so i'm not this is not quite a criticism this is actually like saying in favor of the show doing this because it's so true that like you know journalism like you know well is about i suppose finding a kind of truth um and presenting it sure. to the world um you've got to be careful of like you know what you might not be seeing mm. even like you know in shiraz's case where it's currently completely innocent because you know how many times have you and i like you know throughout our modern like our actual history like been watching like stuff about say for example for iraq and just we're not getting any actual stories of what's happening from the people yeah. down there oh yeah you know I can't no, recall the last. No. I can't recall the last time I watched uh, a news like report, for example, that interviewed a regular person in Iraq, like during the height of like you know, um, IS's power. We in the West, I don't think I'm ever sure they really exist, got that. Right? You'd have to go to say. Right. I, I imagine Al Jazeera would do that, um, but like we don't. We as in the West don't. I don't know well, why. Our, our big. But that's the thing yeah, that flags our big point. corporate media machine was not interested in that no but that's part that's yep. the point though yep. isn't it like you know the flag's getting across here which is be careful of who's constructing the narrative even if they've got the best of interests because like akagi is showing us the people for whom they have the most at stake here like okay yeah there's the professional reputation like and livelihoods of the soldiers like you know going requesting this piece of cloth which i have to keep re-emphasizing yeah. by the way because Holy shit! It's just a fucking yeah, piece of cloth. Right. Well, I mean, you um, can say the same thing like, about like, oh, it's just a building. Like, what? Like, I don't know. Israel and Palestine like are fighting over like a piece of land or you know a a, a building. The West Bank. Or, like, I mean, when, from a thousand feet away, and when you're not kind of invested in the ideology or the religion of like the warring um, sides, like you could like point out that in a lot of times. You know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, like, why? It just yeah. doesn't matter. Like, why don't you just move your temple to a different place? Well, it's not the sacred place. Well, who cares? We care. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so, symbolism is so powerful. Yeah, exactly. And the show, like, doesn't, like, hide that, like, away from that. But it... Yeah. It does a really good job of developing the uh, religion as well. Like, the interviews that Akagi has with the uh, holy totally. lady that you mentioned yeah. earlier, for example. Yeah, she's so uh, good. They do it. And that's the thing... Yeah, and that's the thing I'm I'm getting at here, which is I really like how Shirasu like is culpable in this without even realizing it, in, you know, the way that she's creating this narrative about these soldiers when in reality, like, yeah, they're doing good work, don't get me wrong, but it's Akagi's like material that like really matters because he's actually talking with the people for whom their lives and their lives and their history and, and such are actually genuinely at mm -hmm, stake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're the ones who have got the most riding on this peace process. Like, Shirasu's got a career, maybe? And then admittedly, you know, she does die, of course. But uh, that being said, like, you know, I think for her in her mind, it's like, well, you know, I've got to get this right so I can, like, have a career and all that. And, and I'm not saying she doesn't care, of course. But there's a world of difference between, like, what she's got invested in this versus what the actual people yeah. do. And the fact that Flag shows that there's a disconnect between that, um, between hers and Akagi's narratives, like, is a really, really good way of pointing out like what I've said about our own media narratives and our own, like, you know, big news cops not giving us the full picture of the people who actually really matter in, like, situations like this. And they, like, um... This is why I'm saying... Oh, and I was just going to say, they underscore the the difference you're talking about by, I think, making the styles of documentary different. Like, Shirasu tends to be, like, okay, talk into the camera and tell me about stuff, whereas Akagi 
takes a lot of like, pictures of environments and things like that. Like they both frame things differently. Um, they both like just approach it differently, and that's not an accident, right? It's to show they're distinct people, but also, like you said, to show um, to to sort of highlight and trigger that thing in your brain, like okay, yeah, these are different different narratives um, being told here. And I think like maybe one of the most important contributions of this anime is that it's a super believable documentary, right? But like it's animated. So it's easy for us to keep in mind, like it was made, it's constructed. It has a point of view. That's the thing I'm so guilty of like just forgetting a lot of times getting caught up in a documentary about real people or a piece of news. Like it's good to remember they're all constructed narratives. They all have points of view. And they're not all. Well, like, this is this is what this is what I said when we did um when we did listeners and I talked about uh, that Kurt Cobain documentary. Like even then, there were disagreements about the content of it, and also Chris uh, Soviak revealed himself after we did that episode to be a complete twat by saying that Trump was doing a good job, like you know, handling BLM protests. So that's another band I will not listen to anymore because fuck that guy. Okay, so let's move on to our ne- my next talking point. That is and. I want to talk about a specific set piece in the show, which I think is illustrative of how it does so many things right, in terms of at least how it makes the actual lore, if you want to call it that, or the technical specs behind the robots, like, mean something. And also how it builds tension in a way that is unconventional, but still effective, while also delivering an incredibly boring action scene that is also <laughs> entirely intentional. Like, it, it's weird, I... On paper, this entire set piece is dry and uninteresting. But it's like how I remember when I watched um, H. Womagai's um, video on Pathologic, uh, the two and a half hour long film epic on how that game <laughs> like was designed to make you miserable over and over again. And you he mean asked his last movie that was released, I don't know, it was eight months ago now? It was it was this movie about the plague that was released before the plague. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but he asked an interesting question in it, and I think that allows me to like Flag more, even though it's not a video game, because if you obviously change the context a little bit, which is, mm. are video games meant to be fun? Right. And in that sense, is an anime, or is any television show for that matter, is that meant to be fun or entertaining, rather, by default? And... I suppose I should explain the set piece itself so you can obviously have some context of what we're talking about here and we're not just simply mouthing off about in a vacuum. So, okay, the team identifies where they believe the flag has been taken and it's this temple that is set in a giant hill inside of a canyon. So there's no, like, easily accessible foot-like path to it. You know, you, you can't travel down the canyon and then up this hill because... Lo and behold, the terrorists have got, like, you know, a number of stationary gun emplacements on there. You will die. Uh, If you try to fly in and, you know, be parachuted into the uh, temple, you will die. If you try to approach from the sides of the canyons and then somehow launch, like, you know, zip lines over there, you will die. I hope you're seeing a trend here. Yes. So the goal here is what they plan to do is disable some of the um, anti-aircraft and anti-vehicle emplacements with one of the robots... Uh, piloted by the guy who's not Ichinagi. I don't remember his name offhand right now, but it's not that would really be, all that. That uh, would Nikonen. Nikonen, okay. He's so the Nikotin. one who... Uh... N- no, God damn it, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the one that they try to pin the operations failure on. 
so okay so mr nicotine mr cigarette smoking oh. man sorry uh, nicotine i'll call i'll call <laughs> the right name from now on i promise so nicotine he's going to ha- be piloting his robot on the side of the canyon and he's going to be armed with the biggest fucking sniper rifle ever like this is anti-armor yeah. class sniper rifle it's ridiculous um I think, like, if you want a comparable, like, size of that, imagine the one used by the robots in Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, but twice the size. It's huge. God, uh, so sniper dest- rifle. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's going to use that to destroy some of the exterior gun emplacements, at which point uh, Ichinagi, in his own robot, his Havoc, or Havoc, or however you want to pronounce it, uh, he will be deployed to land on the one of the outside, like, spiral paths up the hill, uh, where his temple is, because the temple's actually inside this hill in a honeycomb of uh, tunnels and yeah. such. And he will then uh, pilot it in its vehicle mode, because these robots can transform. No surprises there. Um, and he will head into the central uh, chamber, the central uh, ritual chamber, whatever you want to call it, get the flag, come back out. Everyone goes to, you know, Burger King afterwards for lunch. That's the plan. Verbatim, I promise. It was absolutely Burger King, I swear. Uh, Okay, no, jokes aside, that's the general gist of it. So you've got a pretty interesting action set piece here on paper, just on the basis of the terrain and the geography alone. And it's all, you know, seems going to be like really, really excited, be very visceral, it's going to be crazy. Um, Spoilers, it isn't. But, spoilers to the spoilers, that's the point. (laughs) So I'm going to list a couple of things now that I really like about it. So I'm going to start actually with Nikonin's role in this, because... I find that with a lot of science fiction, which is very heavy on the law, uh, and when I say law here, I'm not just talking as in like, you know, hit the history of how events happen, but I'm also talking like how things work. Like, how many wheels does this vehicle have? You know, can it go underwater? This kind of nonsense, like, fan stuff that people get really into. I mean, if right. you're a Star Trek fan, we're talking things like how many decks each ship has, that kind of rubbish, you know. Now... I don't mean to be too derogatory about this because I think that there's genuine fun to be had in like obsessing over details about totally. how you, things work. Like you, you know, I mean, I recently got Promare's collection, the collection edition there, sorry, collection edition for that on Blu-ray, and that came comes with a little manual that says like this thing is built for this and this and it does this and all Aww. that. And I'm like, hey, that's that's neat, that's cool, I like that. Uh, all of that's completely peripheral to the story, of course, of Promare. If you've seen that film. Um, but I'm not knocking Promare for that because I don't want to get lynched, but also, you know... <clears throat> Why would you? Uh, it's not because it's an unknockable piece of media. But that's true. I, do, I just don't want, you know, to offend any fans for, like, coming down it. But anyway, point being, um, I think, however, there are times in which a work of fiction can get too obsessed in its own minutia, and at that point, it becomes fluff for the sake of fluff. So... I think, like, a, to some extent, Gundam Wing falls a little bit into that. Although, the reason that I feel Whoa. that way about Gundam did not Wing... Expect you, <laughs> did not expect you to go there. The softest of science fiction that you've brought into this discussion of, like, well, tendencies well, of hard sci-fi. <laughs> well, well uh, don't forget, though, Doc, hard sci-fi is about scientific realism. Like, it, th- what I'm talking about is just laborious detail. It, like, it's different concepts. That's um, true, but I, I suppose, like, the... Hard sci-fi lends itself to that sort of thing because, I mean, to establish that realism baseline, oftentimes authors or creators will like will do that. You know what I mean? We'll be like, here is some details and some math equations or coordinates or measurements or whatever for you to understand that this is real or could be it real. Also, 
it also totally applies to soft sci-fi though i mean star trek voyager you know, the, the yeah techno babble that's the one i mean there's episodes of that particular show that are just absolutely cramps the bursting with you know complete and utter gibberish that is meant to try and like sell actual drama and it really doesn't so I, i'm hoping i'm to the, you the audience that is i'm like getting across the idea here that there's obviously you know a time and a place for this kind of like immense detail in how things work I am generally speaking not against it for the sake of, like, you know, its own fun. But there are times in which it can smother a work. Uh, but hmm. that doesn't mean, however, that you should avoid putting in reams and reams of detail when you use it to make a point or to help properly build drama. And it actually does that in Flag. Because Minin's Was that his name? Sorry, I've already forgotten. I was about to say uh, Mr. Nicotine then. <laughs> just, do, just do nicotine. It's okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that in good conscience anymore. He doesn't even smoke from what I remember. Uh, Nikonen. Nikonen, thank you. Yes. There we go. Or you uh, could so, call him uh, the head nurse because he is a officially certified nurse as well. No, so nursing, nursing in. There we go. Okay. Yep. Uh, right, I'll stop blending names together. Um, so Nick Nikonen, right, um, he is obviously going to be taking these shots to disable these emplacements. And throughout the show up until this point when they've been talking about the, ha- the Havoc robots, in fact, an early plot point is that uh, these robots have not been deployed in the public and the UN is actually trying to keep it that way. So uh, Shiraz, who actually gets the hand, her hands on the technical specs of them, I think from Akagi early on in the show. Um, and we no, get to learn a bit about... But that's... Sorry, it, no, it's it did different did, Details are different, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. What, what details? Sorry. Oh, no, I'm so, like, well, the, this, we're getting into the minutia of the plot of the show. Honestly, it doesn't... It super doesn't matter, like the the order of things here but uh but Shirasu okay. has <clears throat> the disc and she gives it to Akagi but and is it, oh, it it's totally the way around matter. sorry yeah sorry yeah. yeah okay no that's fine I, I'd rather be correct on that um so we get to learn a lot of the specifics of like how the robots work and in particular that this gigantic like you know overcompensating sniper rifle uh the robots aren't spec to handle it mm-hmm. they will essentially break after a certain amount of shots. And indeed, a substantial amount of the preparation for this raid on the temple requires uh, Nikonin's robot to be repurposed to use it. Um, but he only gets a certain number of shots, not because he has, like, you know, limited ammunition necessarily, but because it flat out wrecks his, um, you know, wrecks his robot's legs. Uh, in totally. The, so he can't actually... Yeah. yeah it will, so he can't the, aim it, it. will, like, the recoil... I believe the way you explain it in the show is, like, that the recoil will cause the sort of connector joints in the legs of the robot to heat up to a certain temperature that is unsustainable for them to support the robot. Um, Yeah, so the way that they explain it is like, again, like, I don't know, just going for this level of hard science fiction realism that um, I think in Flag is... um, is well done because I don't think that they overdo it. I think that there's like just the right amount of it. And also like the prep work you mentioned, you know, that they sort of uh, those scenes that they're getting the mechs ready and attuning them to the pilot and, and fixing them and like all that, um, you know, those scenes where they, they often indulge in the, uh, the opposite of techno babble, right? The talking of the specs and showing of the blueprints. 
they're there for the nerds, um, but they're also there, I think, to um, push home the point I was talking about earlier, like narratively speaking, that like, you know, this kind of uh, early 21st century pre-drone warfare is a lot of waiting. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind as we get to another bit shortly, folks, about how the actual raid plays out. Uh, but the point I was going to make particularly about Nikonin's, uh issue here with the sniper rifle is that they're using this laborious detail to actually build tension in a different way. Like, it'd be easy enough for them mm-hmm. simply to say, like, okay, you've got five rounds, don't miss. But, no, it's not that. Like, the robot could literally pack in at any time. There's, it helps, like, build this knife edge that they're on to pull this off, where they can't even necessarily do the point of getting Ichinagi into the actual, you know, temple safely. Like, there's yeah. a lot of riding on this. There's a lot of dominoes that have got to fall in sequence. And this is an example of where that kind of laborious detail that would either be a bit too dry or a bit too in- immense otherwise serves an actual purpose in the narrative. So that's the first thing I wanted to say about why that works. So further context, um, Nikonin actually does end up getting the um, you know the shots off, but his robot is disabled on the last one, if I recall correctly. Uh, not that that matters for him, though, because he's done his bit. So Ichinagi is deployed. Uh, he starts circling uh, up the temple and then eventually, eventually enters uh, one of the entrances into the honeycomb of tunnels and such that will lead to the central ritual chamber. Now, I'm going to give you a thought experiment, would-be listeners at home. I've described <laughs> this scene to you, okay? And I imagine you've watched a fair bit of anime in your time, and if you're not, welcome to the anime podcast. It's going to be easy to start the flag. But... <laughs> the first anime you watched was flag. <laughs> yeah. Damn. It's an, un- it's an unconventional choice, that's for sure. Let uh, me just, it's okay. going to be different from here on out. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so I want you to imagine in your mind how you think this scene would play out. Like, how would it be animated? What would you see? What would you not see? How would it be paced? What kind of soundtrack and sound cues would you get? And if you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, that's a lot to ask, Shads. Jesus Christ, I've not had my morning coffee yet, um, or even evening coffee, depending on where you are when you're listening to this. Let me give you a comparison point from a film that actually came out after Flag was released, but has an action set piece that it very works similarly. I'm thinking of The Dark Knight and the scene in the tunnel where he drives, you know, the Batmobile through and then Joker blows it up, that kind of thing. Similar kind of claustrophobic space, similar sign of vehicle profile, you know. Uh, but think about if you've seen that film, and I imagine it's more likely you've seen that than you've seen Flag or any anime, for that matter. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Unlikely that's, for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's, that scene, um, you know, cuts between Batman, the Joker, the Joker's goons, uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, you know, the drivers in the actual SWAT truck. There's a lot of exterior shots of, of all the various vehicles. You've got a generally good sense of where everyone is. Uh, there's a moment in which, of course, the Batmobile is destroyed, and then there's a bit, little bit of slowdown, then they pick up with the pace again, etc., etc., etc. Is this the second uh, and, Nolan movie you're talking about, or the third one? Yes, Okay, it is. I have seen the second one. I have not seen the third one. Yes, it is the second one. Okay. Uh, you don't need to see the third one. Really. The first don't. two I I enjoyed. Anyway, uh, so I had to, I had to, because we'll, we'll come back to the, to Batman in general at some point in the future. All things it's been back ages to Batman since I've seen them. All, all things come back to Batman eventually. And I do oh, have a secret. Don't say that. 
<laughs> it's true though. And I have secret plans to bring us back to Batman at some point oh, in the future, oh. but that rem- but that remains uh you probably know what I'm talking about, but that remains close to my chest for now. Anyway, so I've laid out at least a, I think is a reasonable one-to-one comparison of how you would think the scene would play out in Flag versus how we've seen it play out in that particular film. And indeed, you at home, you may very well have imagined your own way of doing it. And I I'm going to tell level. you quite possibly. And oh. I'm going to tell you whatever way you imagined it Unless you've actually seen the show, you're wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. You are flat out wrong. Yeah. There is this entire set piece in theory should be a blood pumping like action scene. And we see for the I think maybe on a 50-50 scale, you've got on the one hand what Shirasu is seeing from the helicopter with a lot of UI readouts and like X-ray images and like I think sonar or something like that. It, the specifics don't really matter. Of the temple showing, right. Here on this particular monitor is where Ichinagi is. Here's where the flag is. We see him moving towards it. Uh, and then the second, uh, the other half of that rather, the other 50%, is basically the uh, video feed from Ichinagi's cockpit as he drives the vehicle through. And then we get to see like you know him eventually emerging into the ritual chamber. Um, so yeah, this is not in any way, shape or form a conventionally shot or storyboarded action scene, despite how the set piece on paper appears. I mean, this whole temple raid thing, like, it could fit into so many different, like, conventional Western military movies, or even, like, you know, first-person shooters. Like, if you told me that that was, like... Yeah, if you told me that was the set piece for, like, you know, a Counter-Strike level, I'd believe you. You know? Uh, Because it's certainly laid out what I want. I mean, heck, they're going to capture the flag. Do I need to make any more clear than that? But this, I think, actually really works to the show's favor for again building a different kind of tension because if you think of it from Shirasu's perspective and indeed we get to see much of it from hers we don't see what's going on inside that temple for the vast majority of the time and because it is that claustrophobic in there when we see it through Ichinagi's video feed we don't get to see what's immediately to his left or immediately to his right or even necessarily what's behind him so for what otherwise, like, you know, you might think, like, oh, he's in a robot, like, he's fine. Um, It still feels tense, because you genuinely don't have a good sense of what's going on, which I think works in that scene's favor. Yeah, sometimes they show, like, an overhead shot, like you said, from inside the command center, where it's, like, you see the dot that is Ichinagi's Havoc suddenly there are yeah. a million dots around it and you're like oh shit you know it's it's uh, the uh it's the alien you know i'm crawling through the pipe thing yeah i mean they didn't obviously i mean that's the thing as well why it works in that film because they didn't end up showing that first time when i forget that guy's name dies uh but that's the point though you know you know it's coming and you feel the tension as a result uh, and indeed as h nagi like gets to the ritual chamber he finds out Oh shit, our flag's in another castle. Ba da ba ba da bum. Yeah. Got bait he got he got baited, you know, unfortunately. Just, it's just towed. Just towed there. Like, yeah. oh sorry. They 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 switched it on you. I just like to imagine each nag and his robot just flicking toad in his face and just setting him sc- Scurrying or like, I'd be pissed if I got there, like you know, to co- collect that flag that I've staked my life on and like lives of so many others, and it's just like, hey, sorry, to another castle. And, ah! then, <laughs> and then the like the the Gelut, you know, basically are 
sort of on a suicide mission to stop him. And the tension for me in the scene, like, wasn't, like, initially, like, will the UN force and Ichinagi get the flag back? Or, or will they will they win? Because, like, they have the superior weapons, superior firepower. Um, there's a great little video about flag from a channel called Pause and Select on YouTube. And he brings up this point that, like, war in flag uh, like in real life is often asymmetrical you know there's not really it's like one side is just so clearly superior but like they're hemmed in by all these sort of political uh constraints whereas the other side might not be but like the tension for me in this scene was once i realized that he had to get out of there like was he was he going to make it out in one piece? And and you know he just barely does. And and they they really bring bring home the intensity in the latter part of the scene because he just gets swarmed. And even though his firepower is easily able to like individually, you know, kill all these soldiers because it's just dudes. It's just unarmed dudes. Uh, at that point, they haven't introduced the uh, sort of enemy design mecca but it's just people with guns oh snap. And, but they're just so many <laughs> that versus this one guy that you know that that the havoc might get captured or he might die uh and they end up like destroying the havoc so it doesn't fall into enemy hands but yeah, um he, get, he, he gets ejected out of it in the end yeah uh, in fact yeah. they actually block off the exit he tries to use with a, yes. a vehicle yeah so yeah it's a good so, it's a good scene man even though, like a, you said, it's like weirdly sort of executed in this totally different way than what we're probably used to. On, on paper, it's boring as fuck. But that, again, I stress is part of the point, and that will lead into my final talking point about this. Can moment. it be boring, but, though? Like, if it's. if So, you said it was tense. I, 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 on paper, on paper, it's boring as fuck. Like, oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and I can certainly, for example, see someone watching this and, hey, if they feel this way, fair place and like thinking, that's it. I don't get to see it up, like up closer, but I like you don't get the Macross missiles thing or anything like that, for example. Um, oh, but, anyway, but I feel like that works such in the favor of the story where we talked yes. about this. We talked about this for a lot of different anime where like sort of not showing heinous acts kind of and allowing the imagination to kind of substitute in the the imagery um allows it to feel more real oftentimes so i love the fact that like you just see heat signatures going away or are falling down and fading out like that makes it feel way more like oh my god he's murdering people whereas if they were like here's like every gory detail it would like i think diminish that effect yeah. Oh, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, so the final thing I want to mention then is also the nature in which the combat happens and the way it, I think it will also reinforce the anti-war point that you're about to make, but also in turn kind of feels like a retort or a deconstruction in a sense of how giant robot combat goes in a lot of anime. So here's the thing, right? When Ichinagi is like moving to shoot... Uh, or like stops to shoot like people who get in his way in the side of the network of tunnels. All we see is just him like you know through his video feed casually waving like the direct the minigun that he's his mech has in the direction of people. They like 
die in like a puff of smoke that obscures his vision, and then he moves on. That's it. It's a completely, like, again, it's coming for his video feed. There's mm-hmm. no, like, dramatic angles. There's no uh, up-close, like, you know, look at, say, like, you know, the gore effects or anything like that, or the, pun- or, like, the impacts of the projectiles. There's not even a reaction from him. Exactly. It's, He's not, like, sweating com- or breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is completely cold and completely clinical. That exact same motion his mech makes you would use if you were air spraying something, you know? If you were God. trying to, like, you know... Yeah, That's if you're awful. trying to like bring it's so true. It's true. Like if I was pol- it's the exact same motion I make when I'm polishing my kitchen table, you know? And this is the thing. That's the point. It mm. is dry and uninteresting to look at, if you want to put it like that. But that's part of the point in that this is what war with giant robots would be like. It would be a cold, disinterested sweep of a gun or a weapon that the robot has over the opposing force that you don't even see firsthand because you're looking at it through a video feed to again further, you know, bring about that sense of detachment and then you just fall down and die and you move on. There's no, like, you know, massive explosions. There's no, like, you know, giant lasers. It's a minigun, which I love miniguns, don't get me wrong. They're one of my favorite <laughs> weapons ever. But they are real and they're just used coldly to, like, wipe these people out. And like I say, I think that's why to me it feels kind of almost like some sort of deconstruction or even like response to the standard way in which a lot of giant mecha operate, which is, well, I mean, mm. you and I watched Listeners recently and that was all lasers, pew, pew, pew and all that. You know, yeah. it was very flamboyant, very flashy. Super this is robots. Not, yeah, this is a yeah. real robot, decidedly. Uh, that sort the, of this, show. This is, it is ridiculously grounded and... For the better, in my opinion, for showing basically what it would really be like. It's like a cold pill to swallow if you've ever been truly into that kind of stuff. Which, in contrast with the fact that it's so detail-oriented, like, feels almost crazy. Like, okay, we're going to go into massive detail about how these Havoc robots work. And then we're going to show you them in action. And, oh, brr, done. Brr, done. Brr, done. Yeah, I mean, and I I say this is a real robot show very casually, but it it is really like even in that sort of quadrant of shows, it's um to the far edge. Um, but like, oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I everything you're saying is so is is spot on. I had a point I was actually going to make, and now I've forgotten it. So I'm just gonna like agree with you a lot and pretend that's what's my my original intention. Oh, no, I've said this out loud. The game is up. <laughs> I've captured your flag, Doc. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Not getting back now. You, um, that's basically lead. You've lost the lead. Um, well, speaking of losing the lead, actually, that is basically the end of my talking points for the show prior to us giving up you know, our, our summations of it and how we feel about it. Um, so I'm actually going to... I know you've said you've forgotten your talking point, but I'm going to... No, 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 I have a couple. Baton. I have a couple. All right, there we um, go. There we go. I forgot what how I was going to respond to, to to what we were just talking about, um, and it was a really good one. Damn it! Uh, but uh, no It'll worries. Come back to you. Uh, but perhaps um, I will talk about a specific scene uh, that I quite liked, um, and it is uh, combat that happens even before uh, before when you were talking about and sort of. Uh, to set the scene, uh, I think it happens in episode three or four, but like um, the radar picks up that there is like a group of people. They don't know what their motives are, the UN. Like maybe they're drug smugglers, maybe they're like 
transporting weapons or whatever. But they are coming through and their path that they are going to take, according to calculations, will take them directly into like the area of their secret base. And they cannot risk getting discovered. And so mm-hmm. basically, and at this point in the show, it, it, we should probably assume that like the documentary will be confiscated because at this point in the show, they're like, look, this is not UN policy. This is not what we do. But, um, yeah, we can't be discovered. We can't. We just can't. So we are going to proactively um, kill these people. Take them out. And they approach this camp of uh, Udianese, I guess would be how you is the right word, uh, in the dead of night with their two Havocs. Uh, and proceed to, in uh, the very cold and clinical way that you talked about, um, mow them down, and the way that the scene is directed is chillingly powerful um, because there's like a music and stuff in the background as they approach, but the sound just drops out for mm. the gunfire, uh, and you see the bullets... Uh, drain on the interface as it goes to to zero and you see those heat signatures go away i think they might do a few shots of sort of the normal kind of outer like camera where it shows the people kind of scrambling around but the death again is depicted uh like via heat map and Mm -hmm. uh it is extraordinarily directed i feel I, i it's it's really really a brutal scene and it is the one time in the show that like they at least the one time I remember Shadon where uh, afterwards the pilots come home and you see them climbing out of their vehicles and they feel um, they feel kind of they look pretty down they look like the weight of what they have done is is really upon their shoulders um and I think I, I remember what I was going to say now to your point, and I'll just put it in here is that like, I feel that the show being as grounded as it is, um, allows, allows it to, while it's still about like a, a Mecca that doesn't exist, it, it still works as this like really accurate analogy, I think, to what war was then if it if not still is because you could just swap in for the havoc any old powerful weapon that mm-hmm. the united nations have that re- they really a do tank. have yeah a tank right um and and you would and the same kind of it like it, it virtually nothing uh would change in terms of the aspects of the show that we're talking about just now um but yeah, I wanted to shout out that scene because that scene was incredible. Um, mm. And besides the ending, it's probably one of the scenes that'll stick with me for a while. Yeah. This show has an incredibly consistent tenor about how it handles the combat in that, like, as I say, it's cold, it's dry, it's brutal. It's filtered in a sense because, again, we are denied what we are usually given in a lot of, well, pretty much any television show ever, which is this free-floating omniscient camera 
You know, the like there is an actual diegetic cameraman in the entire show. Without without a break, without exception, like either be it through someone's actual camera or through uh, video feeds, UI, you name it. So, yeah, it, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that scene. It kind of left my memory, I will admit, but I do recall it now that you brought it back up. Just the sound dropping out, the music, and then all you can hear is just the gun so loud in your ears. It makes it almost feel like you're in the cockpit. Oh, I should actually just follow up what I said previously about the temple assault scene by also mentioning, given what you said about sound, when I mentioned before about Ichinagi like just coldly spraying these people with what must have been hundreds of thousands of bullets, um, because it's coming through his video feed, it's very muffled, the sound that is. It's very easy for us, I suppose, to talk a lot about Flag's like visual direction because that's a big chunk of it. But the sound design is phenomenal in it as well, particularly yeah. how they try and make it again sound very real and authentic where it is that kind of weird disconnect. I mean, think of it this way, right? Let's say that you were playing this as a video game, that particular Temple Assault scene, or indeed the scene that you mentioned, and you were firing the minigun. Do you reckon as a video game designer, you would have actually then had the muffle-like sound effect that you would have had? Or do you reckon they'd have gone full-born, it would have sounded like... You'd obviously have the lab, wouldn't you? And some HD rumble, for good measure. Oh, oh, of course, absolutely. Uh, before you go on to your next point, though, Doc, I've actually remembered something else I wanted to bring up, and I'm very glad that I didn't forget this in the end. Clearly, I've got some brain matter left, so that's good. Um, I want to talk about how Flag, like, you know, while it is showing like the good virtues of journalism through Akagi and through Shirasu in their own ways, even if um, Shirasu, you know, is kind of under the gag order of the UN in the end. Uh, and also how she, as I mentioned before, is kind of disconnected from the real people of Udiana and who's actually really got the most, you know, at stake here. I want to talk about the bar that Akagi visits, because uh, he spends a lot of time in there Hell speaking yeah. with fellow journalists. And it's amazing, like, how... This show, like, for all that it says, hey, you know what, Shirasu did a good thing by finding that flag, or rather photographing it at the right time. She has inadvertently created a cottage industry of people trying to get their flag moment. And the fact that that's a thing, and it shows, like, the, these journalists being the opportunistic, almost vultures that they are, kind of took me aback. But it's true. Like, not every journalist who wants to visit a war zone is going to be in it for the necess- for the sure. right reasons for you. And it was kind of crazy to me how it showed that all these people just about like having a drink, waiting for like, you know, the next things come down so they go and try and have their flag moment, not realizing that A, the flag moment that Shirasu captured was just, again, partly her skill, partly happenstance because she was in the right place at the right time. And more pertinently, B, she was legitimately trying to capture the suffering these people were going through and also their emancipation and freedom. Whereas the rest of them there are just, Basically to make a book, or I don't know, get a top racing on Instagram. It's true, though. Like, yeah. It's true how they, they're all portrayed like as chain smokers and such. Like They're not portrayed positively in this show. They, they feel very opportunistic. And hmm. I, feel, I feel very glad that the show kind of rounded out its depiction of journalism by pointing out, okay, our two leads, they are good guys, but not all journalists are in it for the right reasons. I, I don't know. I don't know that it... I mean, I'm not sure that it, it went that far. Or at least I didn't read it as as uh, sort of like the, you know, the ills of the, the paparazzi, like trying to profit off of that. Like, I mean, if there's like an international incident of 
the level that they're talking about. I mean, surely like a lot of outlets would send journalists there to cover it, right? I mean, they're sort of just, um, I don't know. It doesn't really, and it you know, it, it it could be both and. I mean, it doesn't really go into detail on on why they're there as much, but like they they do kind of have. Um, there's the the part, and I've I've forgotten her name. I've mentioned her several times, but it's the significant other of the one of the journalists who died in mm-hmm. like episode two or three. Like she in particular spearheads this kind of like movement among the journalists there at the UN daily briefings to come in harder and ask tougher questions and try to get the truth out of them. And so they're not just kind of there like, oh, well, what the, whatever the fuck, like, I mean, just take some pictures of these brown people and, and cash them in or like try to get this guy. I feel like they're at least, I don't know. They're like trying to get at the truth and, um, Oh, not not all of them. Then that bar. Maybe I was coming out a bit strong with my my terms there, but not all of them necessarily. But make no mistake, I got the strong impression from a lot of the background dialogue that was there, and also just the general mannerisms of the people in that particular bar that they were there just so they could do a repeat of Shirasu's stuff, like get their big moment. Which I mean, maybe focus on like actually highlighting the suffering that people are going through first. You can't replicate that moment forcibly. Even mm. like even if it was like, you know, something a bit more benign than like, oh hey, we caught the moment in which there was a glimmer of hope in this horrific civil war. <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah, I guess it didn't I guess it didn't ever came across to me that way. I mean it's the place they're gonna go into unwind and also to network and you know, they're people who are doing their job and you know, they you know, no one can be a hundred percent, excuse me, passionate about their job all the time. Um, the one thing I did really like about the bar, and I mentioned this before, I think was that like, it really helped contribute to like the sense of place that the show cultivated. Like you have all the, you know, I don't know, there's maybe like half a dozen locales like that, that got shot. I mean, first it was like, you know, only the military base and the streets of Udiana. But then, you know, you got the bar that you went back to frequently. You got the uh, the nomadic people uh, that they visited a couple times. The temple, um, the stuff with the Kufra. Uh, like, so, yeah, I, I really felt that Udiana, despite being this fictional place, like, it was so well realized. And the, and the bar really helped contribute to that because all these spaces... We're not just like there, like they each kind of told a different story. They each housed different kind of uh, aspects of the country and each served this great purpose narratively. Um, And so, yeah, I just uh, I I, repeating myself here probably, but I think the flag just the 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 sense of place it establishes is to be commended. Mm, absolutely all right that is definitely the last of my talking no. points i have no more i promise i promise there are no more up my sleeves nor in That's my right. non-existent hat uh, so i will pass it back over to you doc to continue well my la- i think this is my last question uh and and it is a question to you i want to have this discussion oh no oh no <laughs> um 
I forget who said this. And again, this is something I saw in that pause and select video. But uh, a famous filmmaker said that uh, it's impossible to make an anti-war film uh, due to the nature. And what he, I think, what they mean by that is, um, you know, due to the nature of uh, film, like having an audience and what that audience expects from from a film in terms of being entertained and having characters to follow and um you know good and evil just, just and to, arcs and all this business just to interrupt i've actually secretly googled it while musing my microphone because i'm a i'm a smart boy mm-hmm. and learning how to do a podcast after all this time i believe it's francois Truffaut. i think that's right i think that's right i don't know who that is but they said a thing that is provocative and that I'd like to talk about uh, because we, we've spoken on here. We, we framed this as sort of the Gundam problem uh, because Gundam seems Wow, to, cool robot. Yeah, it <laughs> seems to be like the most well-known property guilty of, you know, claiming to be like and being at times like this anti-war thing like, oh, war, it's so bad. Look at how like the people are suffering look at how the combatants are suffering and look at the cycles it puts us into and the damage it does but god damn buy it. our merch buy, buy like, some good play we're exactly like can the, see my the products you shape we're just glamorize the machines of war and uh like how cool are they it's amazing it's great um how cool how great are these characters who are soldiers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, sorry, sorry. The only Gundam I've still seen is Wings, so I can't take that statement we seriously. Really, we have to remedy this. Like, it must be, like, this I, fucking I year. This year. I know, We're going to remedy this. Um, <laughs> God damn it. So, like, do you think... Do you think that Flag uh, is... I mean, certainly, I think... It wants to be anti-war, and it it's, just has this totally different uh, approach. But do you? Th- how successful do you think it is at being a piece of anti-war media? Hmm. I think we need to establish some stuff before I can answer this question. Sure. And the sure. First thing, the first the first thing we need to point out, of course, is that it's a civil war um, in this show, and. If I recall correctly, it was the uh, Rupau, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> yes. What was the... The, ge- the Gillot, I think it was. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, trying, to, trying to seize religious power um, from the... like from I can't remember the sex like, of the ladies who... Uh, one of whom... The, uh, she's called the, the Kufura. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, believe he's, I believe he's essentially trying to seize control from them. That's my... As I remember it. Um, and the context I think for this is key because I don't think like the I, I think the religions play their part in the conflict, but y- you know what I mean. Like that is sort of they they add fuel to the fire, but I'm not sure it is a religious war per se. Like I don't th- like right. like we talked about earlier. They don't really talk about like the sort of inciting incident or the root cause that you just come into this country in conflict and it's been in conflict and the religion, you know, the Gelut has sort of at times stoked the conflict because they used to be a death cult. Um, and then the flag doohickey occurs. But anyway, anyway, yes, um, it is a civil war. Uh, and then the United Nations intervenes uh, playing their part in the war. 
Uh huh. But this, I think, is the problem, and um, why I'm going to ultimately side uh, at least on Truthart's assessment, at least with regards to Flag, because call me crazy, Doc, and you're probably going to think I'm a madman for this. I can't be the ca- a true kind of pacifist. But I do think that sometimes war can be necessary in very specific specific circumstances. Ah, uh, just which, war theory. <laughs> okay. Well, let's by, hear it. <laughs> by, well, by which I mean, the problem is, like, the more I think about what I've just said, like, the more I realize that we could really start drilling down into the weeds of the specifics when of when that would be acceptable. It would have to be on a very case by case basis. Like, sure, for example, sure. if you're a, if you're a defender, I think it's within absolute reason for you to go and fight back. No problem there. And more to Flag's point, I think Flag is, has a critical view of interventionism, but I think the purest idea of interventionism, which is we see a country where horrific things are happening and we choose to do nothing. Like, I don't, I think that, you know, there's a reasonable, like, idea at the core of it that maybe we should intervene. But I'm talking very, very much philosophically and academically here. And I have to say, just to be blunt, the West in general, like, if it's tried to apply that principle to help people out, like, you know, in countries where there had potentially or even absolutely been legitimate, like, you know, war crimes, like, you know, loss of liberties, like the massacring of, like, ethnic populations, you name it, like, we have been absolutely We're very good at this. I know you're going to say we're we're great. We're the best. No, no, we're (laughs) We're fucking terrible because yeah. either we do yeah. it badly, and I'm I'm thinking of uh, what inspired the film Black Hawk Down here. You know the incident right. in Mogadishu. Mm-hmm. You know we tried to get rid of a warlord, and that seems reasonable. You know he's killing a lot of people and all that, but we fucks it up. We fucks it up right royally. Um, or you know I'll bring it back to what I mentioned before with like Iraq. You know we went there for weapons of mass destruction, which there's only two ways that ended up playing out. Either A, we knew they weren't there and it was a false pretense because we wanted to secure oil or whatever other resources were there, in which case, fuck ourselves. Or B, we had the most pathetically false intelligence imaginable and in which case, you know, fuck, go fuck ourselves. Or C, you know. both. Or C, both, yeah. Why Why not both? Indeed. Or why, or why not neither in this case? We shouldn't have done neither in my opinion. But anyway, um, so I'm not opposed to the idea as a principle of interventionism, because I think that if it, if there were, you know, just cause to do it in, like, you know, saving the lives of thousands, if not millions of people, uh, I would say do it, but I would just say we've never done it right. If there is a time we've done it right and people want to, like, you know, point out to me, by all means, but I certainly can't think of any from my own, like, admittedly uh, mediocre knowledge of history. So my point really is that I think that if you want to make an anti-war film or an anti-war prophecy, you need to be very specific about what part of war you're being against here. Because I think that making a blanket, you know, anti-war message ignores the time in which conflict is necessary to preserve the lives of, uh, and, you know, even like, you know, religions, etc. Of, of people. I don't think it's as black and white as no war ever. We're, you know, we're human beings. And well, sure. The- right, right. I, but I, you would agree that most wars, or I, you know, do you agree that like most, most wars oh, that have happened and and are happening currently, yeah, are not um, sort of taking place under like those justified auspices. 
Yeah, I mean, even if we go back to World War Two, I mean, you'd think the Nazis were the most unambiguous enemy that we could ever have in, like, you know, the history of, like, military conflicts. And, hey, don't get me wrong, they're unambiguously shit. But as part of that, there were obviously a lot of side conflicts that happened and things that, you know, we did. And this is even, like, recent, you know, with, like, people learning that, hey, Churchill was kind of a shithead in his own right. Uh, very sorry there, British patriots. Uh, I am not one of you. <laughs> Move, move along. Um, so it's never quite as black and white as that, um, which I'm sure people will quote me out of context on now. So whoops, never mind. Uh, anyway, so what if it's no, look, I if it's ninety nine point six percent black and only yeah point four percent white, it's pretty black and white. Come on, I mean, come on, oh, come oh, on. Okay, come yeah, yeah. Come okay, on. fair play. But, I mean, in that case, you know, I would say we were, of course, absolutely justified in, you know, firstly, defending ourselves from air raids, and secondly, you know, invading Normandy and taking the fight to them. Of course. So, war, I think, is unfortunately a a grim necessity in very specific circumstances. So, okay, long roundabout way of getting back to flag. Look, like, I'm not asking for your personal foreign policy, Shadon. I just want to know if you Damn think it. it's... Damn it! If you think this is a successful anti-war... For how successful uh, of, of uh, is it in this goal that it sets for itself? I'm going to say half and half. And the half that I think it's successful at is uh, the stuff we've discussed about the depiction of the coldness in which warfare and conflict is conducted. You know, Ichinagi casually killing all those people. Um, the fact Shirasu's death, even if you want to count that, because again, it just happens kind of off screen. It's just a thing. There's no dramatic moment to it. She's just a victim. Um, and indeed, that's also, funnily enough, because of the war's after effects, you know, when it's supposedly dying down. And funnily enough, what happened after, you know, the war died down in Iraq and Afghanistan? Oh, I'm sure it was just a joyous time after that, wasn't it? Ugh, fuck me. Anyway, <clears throat> so I think that in terms of like the, let's call it the micro. In terms of the micro of the like the moment to moment battles and showing the coldness of it, I do agree. However, I think the macro level, I have no clear idea why the Civil War is happening. And indeed, some might argue that that's the point. Because sometimes we know we fight wars for so long, we forget what they were about. Fun fact for you, by the way, Korea and South Korea are still technically at war. They never signed an armistice or anything. You know, that's like... I think it actually was 70 years recently of continuous open warfare between them, even though they have a border and that's kind of it. I mean, I'm dramatically simplifying over here, so uh, oversimplifying. So I apologize if I've like not given that subject its due diligence. But point being, I think for me, in Flag's case, I would have liked more contextual information on what set this off. If there is a right side, quote unquote, um, and why the faction, like you said, we couldn't even agree on the discussion we had before. Like if it was a religious civil war, or if it was just you know uh, the girl getting involved to just stir shit up. It's not clear on that. So half and half for me, the moment by moment stuff, particularly the giant robots and the other battles that we see, which are presented as coldly and plainly as possible, showing that just to be like an awful affair. And also, as you mentioned, the psychological effects it had on Ichinagi and uh, Nikkinin. Yes, I got mm, it. You did. Uh, Nikkinin. Yes, and Nikkinin. Like, yeah, I think that works. Um, I also think it's very clearly anti-interventionist. Um, because make no mistake, even the UN, who you might think are like the neutral good guys in this, uh, I mean, it's not, it's explicitly not America, which I think is a key distinction here. <laughs> right. Um, 
even like you know the UN are supposedly neutral pie they have their own agendas in doing this um for sure so i think it's so i think that it's clearly anti-interventionism or at least anti-agenda interventionism but then one could argue like you know it's always gonna be agendas blah, 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 yeah, blah. yeah yeah you get my point yep. you, you get my point regardless uh but i wish that it had given more fleshing out of the conflict's origins um because i think that ultimately you know in a civil war it's not going to be a 50-50 split of both sides. Like, both sides will be right potentially in some ways and wrong in others. Um, and there could very well be a justified reason for one side revolting, you know, against the government. Um, I mean, there's a lot of African history that involves, uh, civil, you know, civil wars and overthrows of governments, only to then, unfortunately, find themselves installing a new dictator in place over time. Right, um, right. So... I wish there had been more to that particular side of it, and then I would feel more comfortable in saying that it's a... Well, okay, let me say it. I think that it's a successful anti-war story, but I don't think it is a complete or holistic anti-war story, if you want to use those kind of terms. Well, I think looking at this in a macro sense is probably a mistake. I mean, because... I don't know. I mean, certainly the the show doesn't want to... Like well, the out. micro doesn't happen without the macro, though. That's the problem. Um. Well, I. But you can sort of bracket one off, right? And and because I think what you might be looking for is like sort of the show to come out and be like both of these entities were unjustified, or this was the bad guy who instigated it. And it does no, mean, no, 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 no. I just it, think no, 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 no. Okay. Let me let me let me let me set the record here. I'm not asking it to to categorically state in the show's own text which is right and wrong. I'm asking it for to give me enough material so I can come to that decision as a viewer. Okay, okay, but I'm just saying I I think that that is unnecessary to the point that it is trying to. Make. I think like consider like again just meet the show on its own terms and consider. So it's, we're just trying to do. I think is is and you could just disagree with this, right? That like. I think the show is is trying to say that like ca- causes of war and war being like state kind of violence right against another mm. entity um not which is different from violent protest or it's other forms of political violence organized by individual citizens but like this sort of state sanctioned violence against uh either a group of its own citizens or like another country or another government or whatever. I think the show mm-hmm. is saying like the causes of it, like don't think about that. Think about the toll that it takes on the actors that have to play a part in it, both the interveners and the citizens of the countries and think about like the costs involved and I think the show is saying the costs are so great that like there's nothing in terms of the cause of the warfare that can justify that level of cost. Hmm. I, th- I think this is what it wants to say, right? And I, and again, that is something that you can f- freely take issue with um, because you may feel, I've, anybody yeah, out there may yeah. feel like there is there is a justifying reason that can justify all the death and suffering that will come about with with war you know the grim necessity as you put it right um yeah um i think to answer your point there doc what i'll just elaborate on is 
I'll give the show this much credit, though, in saying that it manufactures in its own time frame, never mind the actual origins of the war, like, uh, a thing that they have to collect that, as I mentioned before, on paper is completely worthless. They're going after a piece of cloth, mm-hmm. which I think I think is really, really neat. Like, it's not, for example, let's say, for example, in a, another alternative version of this story that does not exist, let's say that Shirasu didn't photograph someone behind a flag. Let's say she photographed someone in front of, well, I was about to say a statue. A grail. Well, they've all, <laughs> a grail. A grail, a statue, a holy relic, you name it. Something with known, established historical significance in the show proper then, you know, I think that that would have actually taken some of the edge off the message, which is these guys are being sent in for a flag. A flag that may or may not even, like, you know, solve the issue that they're trying to, you know, it might not even gel the peace process together in the end. Spoilers, it doesn't actually, because Shirasu fucking dies. Oops. Well, which actually, now that I think about it, makes her loss actually do ring a little with me, because I think it was all for fucking piece of cloth. (laughs) Shit. Yeah, right? I mean, that's that's sort of the other side of the the intervention uh the interventionism is like you know you have this like neutral third party looking at the conflict and you know because it's someone like ostensibly from our shared culture in terms of like global values and things like that not like we're not japanese obviously but like we're able to like look at it and go like damn this is fucked up <laughs> where and because we're not like in it and we weren't like we're not Udinese uh, or Udianese, however you. Yeah. Anyway, you get my point. Well, I, I think they I think that the Udianese in themselves would think there was fucks up, though. Like, I, I think we need to be careful about like delineating like the only we would as a Western perspective would get that this fucks up. And this also, again, is why I think that Parmi would wish that I'd seen more of that of them as a people. Um, but again, I. I'm going to start, I feel like I've got to stop myself because otherwise I'll start backtracking into stuff I've already discussed about the idea right. of, you know, you know, like, okay, this show is obviously from Shirasu and Akagi's perspective and it's got more of a justification than most shows for doing that because it's literally through their cameras or whatever video they've been given. Uh, but again, like, you know, this is written by someone who's real and these people are not. So it could have been whatever they needed to show off the story. I'll not bog us. I'm not going to bog us back down in that because we've already been through that. It's well trodden earth at this point. <laughs> so yeah, I. I, I think some respectfully... some some uh, Udianese might have thought it's stupid, but clearly enough of them did not that they're like. I mean, we've it's like the the war that they're having is an ideological one, and like you know when evidenced by the fact that like the religion even if it's not like the root cause like it's playing a huge part in it like it can stop the ceasefire or not and um so like this this flag as it materially empirically piece of cloth but like to you know to the people that um embrace the the idea it's like a very important symbol such that the UN believes it's such an important symbol that if it were to be revealed as missing, it would destroy the peace process. I don't think that's an ill-founded belief on their part. Hmm. So I, I will, I, I, I am okay with the idea like, you know, hey, this flag's piece of cloth. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. But I think that I'm going to respectfully disagree with your point and say that it's not that I can, I, I can't even answer one way or the other, like, how I feel. I mean, obviously, the Gelu, uh, the death cult, 
that I have no I'm like I've got no like shades of grey on how I feel about them. Good old religion. You know? <laughs> yeah, the Brotherhood are not basically just running <laughs> yeah. around in this particular game. Right. Um But then they have the other side of the sorry. coin where you have the different religion that seems to be quite peaceful. But anyway, that's neither here nor there well, what well, you're saying. Yeah. And and as you say, like if this wider civil war is, and we have to mention if, like, this is speculation, and I wish it was more concrete. Like if it was like you know different factions, like why are they doing it? Would would be nice to hear. I mean, let me just put let me just put it this way, Doc. Give you some kind of real world perspective here. Like I know in uh, both Iraq and Iran that there is um, a distinction, a dividing line along Islamic religion between Sunnis and Shias. Sure, that's a, that's as much as I know. And granted, it's my own ignorance that I haven't sought out more information on this, and I probably should do after this podcast is over, so I at least then can answer it later. But I can't recall any time that I've ever seen a, like, you know, on a news report that's discussed this, this division and this, like, you know, divide between different areas of those countries. Um, what the distinction is, why it's, like, you know, they're fighting internally, etc. all this time, like, why there is such, like, tension. And the thing is, when I say, when I bring this up, I'm not even saying flag needed to necessarily, like, give us its own objective answer on the, divi- like, you know, the divisions between the two factions, apart from the religious sex, you know. It could very well have said, you know, gone into, like, hey, I want to find out, but then they, we don't learn because no one will talk to either Akagi or Shirasu about it. Uh, but at least then I could have come to some sort of judgment. Like, I could have made, my like, my own call on who I thought from my perspective, was right or wrong. And since I can't do that, I can't ultimately conclude on an anti-war sentiment, at least as far as the wider conflict goes, and therefore I don't think ultimately it works in that way. But that's not the same thing I should stress as me saying, this isn't work, this is not anti-war because it glorifies the, you know, cool robot meme, that kind of thing. It's very much not that. So to me, it's a partial success as an anti-war message on the grand scheme of things. I just, oh, I just disagree that you, that 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 you have to make a determination on whether the sides are just or not, and because I mean, I think the show is saying that they're not. Like, I think the show is saying, like, look at look at what this is doing to everyone, and no possible reasons we could give will make one side or the other even if they're right like even if this is why i'm i'm pretty down on war <laughs> um not not a big war guy here because <laughs> even if even if like you're right like in your reasoning or or justified like i mean who cares i guess when it comes to you know the the suffering that will that will be visited upon the actors in the war the you know the citizens uh of in the theater of war um i mean it's just you know and then someone has someone will lose i guess and then the loser country like people that had nothing to do with the war will suffer from that loss for a while, you know, economically or whatever. Um, and so I think this is just part of what it's trying to say. I get, but, but I haven't really talked about whether or not I think it's successful, right? I mean, 
I think yes. I think this is tough because while I do think that um, the show definitely uh, shows that like war is a thing that allows people to coldly kill each other. Um, mm-hmm. And even the people that do the killing can be traumatized and affected. Like it nails that stuff. Um, but you know, it has, it, it has the robot otaku in there. Um, the, the mechanic, you know, it has, it does have a few, like, isn't this robot fucking awesome moments that I, I guess, I guess you can't avoid. Um, I mean, if we go back to the whole digestive argument here, like and what I said before about the reams and reams of detail, even if the reams and reams of detail are being used to build up those tension moments that I mentioned, um, that still doesn't, like, you know, nullify the criticism of, well, there's still the reams and reams of detail there that people can obsess over. Sure, yes, yes. It's, and it's I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, and I, it's, it's a weird thing because I don't want to say. Well, if you're like an otaku for that stuff, if you're a big nerd of uh, robot, uh, you know, bullets or guns or whatever, then you're pro-war because that is garbage. And there are people that love robots and like other sort of wartime, you know, bomber planes or tanks or or even firearms, right? That like are are uh, would not support war or that kind of violence, hmm. you know, hmm. as as sort of oddly contradictory as those two things may seem. I mean, I think there no, are plenty I, of examples of that in, in the real world. If, go, if ahead, go ahead. If, if I may add to that, um, you're absolutely right because the thing is like fiction can often be a, a safe space for us to mm-hmm. like not even necessarily commit acts, but more engage with the viewing of acts that we would never want to be, you know, involved in firsthand. Like, let me put it this way, right? For all that I've said, like, hey, you know, like shows like, like Macross Frontier, Berserk, you know, Land of Lustrous, Penguin Drum, you name it. Like any good show that I love, like the vast majority of them, I would not want to be there firsthand. Yeah. Absolute vast majority. But that doesn't mean I don't love those shows and don't want to engage with them. And for that same reason, I think that, you know, okay, I can argue the toss all I want about, well, okay, this reams and reams of detail are a problem. But... If you're at least critically minded enough to recognize that, you know, to avoid the cool robot meme and say, okay, look, I like all the detail that's in this, but I never want to see something like it in real life. I never want to even to know that it exists. I want it to remain a fictitious thing. Then I think that's fine. I think that's acceptable. Of course, we yeah. then can make the argument that the show still needs to have some sort of angle in order to like make that clearer for the people who might not be you know, as savvy, shall we say. Um, but I think that, you know, the dryness of the combat itself, I think, does that well enough. If you're coming to this show trying to expect, like, you know, some crazy, like, robot-on-robot action, uh, you will be sorely disappointed. And all I can hope is that if you are sorely disappointed by that, that you take a moment to reflect on why. Granted, you are now listening to the end of the podcast where we've explained our reasonings for thinking that, but, I mean, you know, maybe you came in very late. <laughs> I do, who can, what can I say? But you get my point on the lesson that, you know, it's still fiction at the end of the day. And as long as yeah. you're critically aware of that um, and don't want, like, you know, the Havoc robots to become real or any sort of, like, you know, ill-fated, ill-intentioned bullshit interventions and nonsense or any of the other stuff, then that's fine. Like, the show 
whether or not I believe it's successful and so on doesn't ultimately mean that, you know, it's going to define your perspective. You can still be anti-war regards that. You can come into it anti-war, come out stronger for it, you know? Hopefully not less. That would be a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be... Um, I, I gotta feel Rizuke Takahashi would scratch his head with that. <laughs> be like, really? You're more into war now? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I... Uh, I yeah, and I love robot on robot action. So I mean, I, I am I'm freely admit that that stuff is is super rad. And I don't want to be like a purist about this, right? That like because there's the presence of um of very niche robot otakuism that like it's all for not throw it away. It's not answer war. Like because I think it gets the the balance is so tilted in in favor of the anti-war messaging that i think you got to like applaud the show cuz it it definitely pushes that narrative harder um or rather pushes that theme harder in its narrative uh, than plenty of other shows of its ilk. Oh yeah. But here's the here's I think maybe a sticking point that I've come to because I watched the show in 2020 and not in 2006. Right. Um. This is a tough one because the show definitely is, I think all about like i said showing the horrors of battle and war i think it's it's anti-government at least anti-bureaucracy because the un get dicked around and you know you have an organized religion you know potentially fucking over the whole country so it seems pretty down on a lot of like pillar institutions that like you have Hmm. sort of powerful people being petty and looking out for themselves at the at the cost of, you know, the the UN force or the nation of Udiana or whoever. But I, you know, in an era where people are talking about defunding and abolishing the police, and then also t- having discussions about defunding the military, I think it is worth it to think about like, is the show maybe a little too like saccharinely pro troops? Um, Mm. and this is like the hard thing when, when making an anti-war movie, because you need these characters, but like then, yeah, (laughs) then, then are you gonna, you know, I'm stroking my beard at this because the more I think about it, like, there's not a bad apple in any of the soldiers that we see uh, in Shirasu's team. They're all likable individuals. And the funny thing is, like that, I'm not saying that's the fault of the show necessarily, because I think that's the point. Um, that this particular group, they're, you know, just doing their jobs, and it's a shitty job they've got to do. Um but yeah, like not all. Unfortunately, I mean, there's a long history of like abuse by soldiers again in Iraq, for example. Totally, um, all sorts of things like that. And ugh, it, okay, maybe we shouldn't be trying to put the burden of could be. And maybe this is much to my own point as is to yours here, Doc. Maybe we shouldn't be trying to put the burden of being a holistic anti-war thing on any one work. Never mind flag. Hmm. It's a lot to ask. Yeah. For a 12 episode show. I think rather my answer will be that I'm still going to call it a partial success, but totally. it is just one one piece of the larger puzzle of an anti-war 
education, if you want to call it that, like where you, you know, you consume that kind of media. It's a strong part of it. But to presume any one work on its own can completely and utterly, like, you know, yeah. cover all the bases is absolutely unrealistic. Totally, totally. And this is... I mean, as uh, yeah, as, as complicated as war, any given war is in itself, so too any given anti-war message will be <clears throat> equally, com- equally complicated. Right, like, you right, know, right. Um, what was his name again? Uh, Truffaut? Like, he said it's impossible to make an anti-war film. I disagree i think it's impossible to make a perfect all-encompassing anti-war film but as you said about lead like how flag leans into anti-war like i think that still means that like works of fiction can lean on that and be definitely net anti-war overall um it's there's there's degrees to this i think it's not a a binary thing you know where it either is or isn't like it can have elements of it and indeed part of critical analysis that would be interesting would be the whole cool robot thing where as you say this is anti-war, but by our ship. And incidentally, I don't think her flag's selling oh, yeah. merch of its own robots, if I, you know, so it kind no. of dodges that bullet. No, it, and, but it, there's another bullet that I think it doesn't dodge, and, and that's okay. I mean, you know, not I wouldn't call flag problematic, but, like, this is why I talk about um, that enjoying and engaging problematic media is, like, fine and good because there's, there's, there's often, like good stuff there as well like not everything you should throw out everything right that doesn't uh measure up to the 100 percent purity test because then over time every piece of media will be found wanting if enough years go by right because everything's a product of its time we all have our like biases and things like that and i think takahashi might like his one here seems to be like you know you you made this clear to me when you were talking about no bad apples i mean it seems like he has this kind of good cop sort of uh narrative he wants to push about um the military uh like it feels like you know you have them saying things like most soldiers are fighting to protect something right and things like that um that kind of like glorify and put on a pedestal like you know look at the sacrifices that these people are are making like you know maybe they only feel something when they're in battle but like they're here for noble reasons like and they just like get deployed into these bad shit situations and like you said like that is so often not true and can like really obscure some some horrible abuses that happen in the military I mean, if I may also quote the uh, famous philosopher Barrett Wallace from Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake, uh, you know, I believe he says something to the effects of, um, you know, even a good person working inside an awful company is still responsible. In, right. I don't know if it's a power hole for its sin. So even in this work, <laughs> they're still complicit. Even in all of this, like the, the soldiers in that group, Ichinagi, for example, all the others, they're still complicit in the UN, like, you know, doing its shit, trying to get hold of, like, this fucking flag. And then, of course, the gag order and all that, you know. So, yeah. But, yeah, partial success. I think uh, so. B plus. Yeah, yeah. B plus. I, I think, like, you know, um, it, it does it does it as well as any other anime I've, I've seen. I don't... I can't think of an, an anime that, at least to my knowledge, like does this sort of thing better and and so grounded like you maybe like you could come away from like a certain sort of fantastical anime or science fiction show feeling 
so strongly that war is bad but like um i don't know this one this one hits you in this way because like this is some real shit you know yeah and it's not even just because it is set in what is can like you know a real world environment like or what looks like one like you know it's an approximation of a middle eastern or even like you know western asian city um it's so, uh, or even country rather i mean to say it's again because of all the ways in which it depicts it at the ground level yeah so yeah it's not just as simple as context it's also conveyance that matters as well totally totally well that was a fun discussion right. that was very fascinating uh, that was indeed um and i'm gonna say that i'm very glad we're doing it in this form i'll admit this publicly on air uh, even though i could totally have this out later <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i'm actually very glad we're doing it this way instead of the way i had originally planned this where it was just me talking into a microphone for an hour uh because i think we've had a more engaging discussion as also of you and me playing off of each other doc rather than simply me right script read done boom beer that's totally my recording process. But anyway, uh, yeah, this has been a cracking discussion. I'm going to just quickly round out with my f- some final thoughts here, which is that f- your mileage may vary. Like, I keep saying this, and it's the most rote, like, you know, bullshit ever, really, because it applies to everything. Like, your mileage may vary with a little fucking ice cream, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's true of everything. But I, the reason I bring you up is because, again, I talk of, like, the degrees to which this is relevant. Like, either you like vanilla or you don't. Or maybe, you know, you can't eat regular vanilla for various... Like, I'm not going to get bogged down with that shit. Point being, <laughs> like, me and Dark, as we've discussed, like, it had quite different reactions, emotionally, that is. I think we're of a similarish mind to the other elements of the show. Um, feel free to point out where I'm talking crap about that. But, um, like, we had disagreements about the emotional response, which is to say that I'm dead inside, and Doc, uh, you know, was, like, <laughs> quite moved by it. Um, and I'm not putting my own perspective down here i can only speak from my response to it which was eh. but I've, your mileage is definitely going to vary on this show but as i stated before and i absolutely must stress and state again watch at least the first three episodes of it if you don't ultimately end up caring for the story or the characters you've at least got the aesthetic and the presentation you've got that and that to me is key because i think that flag should be required viewing for anyone who's an anime fan, or even not necessarily an anime fan, it's grounded enough that you know you could get anyone really to watch it. You know, like I mean, there's no like shonen power up bullshit or anything like that. Uh, there is no hard work and guts, and this is one of the few times in which I would say that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would very much recommend everyone give it a try, just because, as I say, I think you'll come out with a little more of an appreciation for the way filmmaking, uh, animation, you know, storyboarding, and how narratives are constructed. And that's just simply from the way it's made, not anything to do with the story itself. And if you end up enjoying the story and want to see the rest of it, great, go do that. Um, I, I, I'm very happy for you in that case, like because, as I say, I ultimately had no real reaction to it, but that's just me. And if you get, you know, if your move like Dark was, that's fantastic. So yeah, absolutely do check out Flag. Give it at least a free episode go. And even if you quit the free episode, you'll still get something out of it. I promise you that much. All right, so that's the end of my talking points and uh, overall summary. So, Doc, uh, how did you ultimately feel about Flag in the end? Well, I really liked it. I mean, I... Way more than I thought I was going to, right? Even a couple of episodes in, I think... Excuse me. I think... 
after one or two episodes, I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on in my throat. I'm sorry. Um, I'm thinking to myself after one or two episodes, okay, like, I get what they're going for. I respect the technique, you know, of, of what they're doing. You had a very Shadon opinion. Yeah, right. But I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't um, invested, you know, and that's by design of the show, as we've talked about it. It's a very slow burn. And, you know, the show, it asks more of you uh, than a lot of shows do in terms of that sort of thing, waiting on it for action, waiting on it to kind of slowly build its characters. But over time, I found myself getting really wrapped up in it to the point where I was um, really, really into it. And the, I thought the the messages were really good. I think that um, just the form of this anime, like it's so interesting that Takahashi tried this so late in his career, too. I mean, he'd be he'd been directing uh oh, anime oh and I, writing I, it for decades at this point i i just need to add like i cannot imagine this being made today mm. or maybe maybe possibly but i'm it's a tough I feel one like though. the odds are ag- yeah yeah i feel the odds are against it because make no mistake for all that i can say like watch this show and even there's the one of the two of us who has the, le- the lesser opinion of it like I cannot see this being conventionally appealing, if you follow my meaning. Oh, yeah, no, not going to be a crowd pleaser. No, absolutely not. And given, like, how much at this point anime is driven by the need to be crowd pleasing, because, well, welcome to capitalism, motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, It always comes back to that, doesn't it? It's always fucking capitalism. Jesus. Anyway, because of that, like, I can't imagine it being made again today. But, like, as you rightly state, though, it was still a gamble even back then. I mean... Go back to how it was released. It was on pay-per-view online in, what was it, 2005? Uh, six, seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, to, to, sorry, 2006, 2007. Like, I, I can't imagine the audience for it must have been that big just by merit of the delivery method. It I know. On TV. I know. Which is crazy when you think about it. Like, it's, it's a gamble on many layers, which is crazy, but like, hey, Whatever I might ultimately feel about it, kudos to him for doing it. I'd rather have shows like this made than, like, conventional boring isekai trash. <laughs> sure, sure. It's, uh, yeah, I think if you're the sort of person who does, like, enjoy the, the, the riskiness, right, um, then that will appeal to, I think that, that appeal is there. Like, he's definitely going for something totally different than any anime before or since. Um, and it's really neat to see this in animation, this style of thing. And I think it, it really, it's really an additive. Like, you know, you might be thinking, oh, like, well, found footage or documentary. Like, I, why did they not just make this live action? Like, why not do it that way? I mean, I've seen that before and it's effective, but I think animating it it really does add something to the whole, uh, production, the whole, the whole mix here experience is what I'm looking for because, um, like we talked about, like it allows you to, um, kind of watch it and feel extra removed. So you're kind of have that like doubly in mind that this is a narrative being constructed. And in that way, it's very, um, sort of 
uh, instructive about uh, documentary filmmaking and and all that sort of thing. But anyway, these are all very academic points. Um, I really dug the show a lot. I love the robot. Even I just the havoc. I think is so cool. Um, like it's it's a and and the I can't remember the other robot, but that that one really looks front missiony. Um, we didn't really talk about like the CG. Um, did you have did you have issues with the CG because it's you know it's mid aughts anime CG. It's um, it is it is what no, it is. Not really. I didn't either. I I think a substantial part of the reason why I didn't mind was because we had the framing device of the cameras or the video feeds, so you can kind of write off the lack of fidelity as being a part of the you know the fact that we're getting it for a camera or a video feed of the sign. Mm. It's like it's like you know you've got film grain on it and such you know right right so I I think that ultimately overall no it didn't bother me and yeah I mean Christ I think I still I'm getting flashbacks now of fucking Vex Seal that film I watched <laughs> way back when that that was released if I'm not mistaken around the same time I think so. as this one I and, think so and oh boy that was you know. I get. I believe the working title for the uh, rendering file for that film was uh, Uncanny Valley MP4. Yeah, Jesus. Oh seven, I think. But uh, but look, I also didn't have the big issue there because maybe because of what you're saying too. Um, I didn't think about that, right? That, but but something about the way that the the mecha blended into the backgrounds. Um. I don't know, really made it super inoffensive for me. Like, I mean, they, they still look like PlayStation 1 Mecca the whole time, but like mm-hmm. in this Metal way Gear. that I just did not find um, like jarring. No, no. Uh, it was fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, but this show rules. Like if you haven't listened, if you've been listening, you know that I think it rules and you know why. So yeah, watch it. I think it's so the, totally so they, so, worthy of, uh, like you said, sampling to see if it's your thing. Yeah. So basically, you've got from me a recommendation for it as homework, and then you've got the uh, cooler recommendation, which is watch it because it's really, really good in its own right. So I'm going to put that as a uh, 1.75 out of 2 recommendation. Right. There. Right. I think that's I'll do. All right, then. Well... With that, that concludes our discussion of Flag. Um, I want to give another shout out to David, aka Navy Sheriff, for his immense patience uh, with this. I again apologize profusely; it took this long to get round to it. But man, we're going to be doing this hoping... every time. If you if you apologize, we're going to have to do this for every request. No, we'll, we'll run out eventually. It'll be fine. We'll we'll get back to it. But come on, we've got to be we've got to be honest with ourselves here, you know, and to our audience. I mean, they're putting their time and literally their money into us, so it's only. Oh, fair we, I know, I know. know. I just consider this a deep apology from us covering all the sins of the previous way we structure the requests as we go through them. Uh, I I would bow, but I ended up banging my head on my keyboard, (laughs) so I don't want to do that. Plus, you can't even see me do it anyway, so all you hear is a big funk noise. Uh, And I'd rather not give myself, like, you know, brain trauma right now. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you very much, David, for your patience. I'm hoping that the end products actually will have been better than the hypothetical one I would have come out with on my own. Um, and indeed, I'm looking forward to doing more of this format with Dark, where we cover our individual requests together regardless. Um, to our other patrons, I want to give you uh, my immense thanks, as always, for your financial support, your actual support, and like, you know, just 
being fans of the show, uh, being fans of the podcast, uh, being a part of our Discord and helping being a part of our wonderful community. Um, yeah. And for when this for when this eventually comes free to air, uh, if you're a, if you're a you know a shillster or whatever, uh, <laughs> I kid of course. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this as well, particularly about a more obscure show that might not necessarily pique your interest or one you may not even be aware of but i hope you've enjoyed it um i hope you've gotten something out of it and we will be back i believe in two weeks time to cover barackamon if i'm not that's mistaken. right that is a, a preemptive thank you to mirror on the wall for calling the request line and getting into the secret phone booth and all of that sort of thing Indeed, and speaking of which, if you want to get into the secret phone booth and also get yourself on some other patron uh, rewards of ours, including a couple of our patron-only podcasts, get yourself into our Discord, get your ability to, like, you know, uh, join in with our group watches, ask us questions about the shows we're covering as we cover them, all sorts of great stuff like that, you know, get your web browser, fire it up, uh, unless you're on Netscape Navigator, in which case you're fucked, and then head on over to uh, patreon.com forward slash show. Uh, have a nosy over there. You can get yourself on the two, three, or five dollar tier. Uh, so see affordable. What you like. uh, absolutely. Um, I was almost going to start like leading into this, you know, for a low pr- monthly price, like into <laughs> payment plans and stuff. But you know, we're not a nineteen ninety three like American drug advert, so we'll <laughs> skip that. <Yeah. clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, thank you very much to everyone for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been Shaden, and he's been uh, what was what was your name again? I went to see now. Uh, Nick Nicking it. And um, thank you very much to Mr. Nicotine for uh, for his contribution. Um, obviously, I'm referring to Doc. Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you thank you very much for helping us, Doc. It's been an absolute pleasure doing it this has. one. Even if we did disagree, I'm glad that we had a... I'm glad that we did, and I'm glad we also had a good chat about yeah. it as well. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that you've all enjoyed it as a result as well. He's totally wrong, though. <laughs> I get, I get. <laughs> all right. And on that rosy note, uh, we'll leave you to it. We'll be back in two weeks with Barakamon and all of our other good content. But as we often say on this podcast, embrace your everyone to the end of the universe and have a very good night.